Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. The Wise Guys are back for another week. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. Hi, everybody. There's so much going on uh, in the wake of like the worst college football championship in the history of mankind. Like I, I suffered through and watched it to the end. And I'm like the biggest football guy there is. And I had, I almost lost my complete desire for the fourth quarter. <laughs> I almost bailed. That's how bad it was. It was just not entertaining football. Fortunately, we have Jimmer Fredette tonight. Uh, we'll take your questions and he'll answer them. Uh, we'll have some fun with him. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but we've got such a big show. We want to dive right into things for this week, uh, including BYU's quarterback room getting a lot deeper today. Yeah, a, a signee that we're going to tell you about, the number one rated junior college quarterback in the country. We'll get a little bit more into that, but that's going to be fun. And uh, and it gives BYU the kind of depth they needed uh, for next season. So how about... Uh, it's a Super Sunday for a pair of former Cougars in the NFL. What it means to BYU newcomer Aiden Robbins. So, yeah, we want to talk about a, what couple, a, big night. a couple of BYU running backs that had a phenomenal day. So cool, so cool. Men's hoop, school's back in session, and so is the big game. BYU host number eight, Gonzaga. For the final time at the Marriott Center, Thursday night, it is sold out. And, and who knows? Maybe they'll play. Yeah. I hope they do play, yeah, but, and, but know, right and, now it's the final And time. everybody's saying the right things. Mark Pope and Mark Fewer are saying, oh, yeah. It's I think they good. might play, but maybe at Vivint yeah. Arena. Yeah, well, you know, there's all that talk that maybe Gonzaga joins the Big 12 or that. as a basketball owner. Or member, that. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Say, um, And you already mentioned Jimmer Fredette joining us. We'll talk about Gonzaga. We'll talk about the Olympics. How about so the three-on-three? Three? He may go to the Olympics playing three-on-three. Yeah, which, three. which is nuts. I think Jimmer awesome. and the gold medal. That sounds right, doesn't it? It sounds really right to me. So, and we're going to talk about the best of Jimmer Mania. And, oh. and the, the most fun. I'm so looking forward to reminiscing with Jimmer. Very, very cool. It is going to be good. How about the gusto of Lauren Gustin tying a Marriott Center record as the uh, women's hoops team regains their footing in the West Coast Conference? We'll talk about her dynamic, dynamic player. Yeah, that team. That team's starting to come together. And she. I mentioned this last week. I called a women's game um, a couple of weeks ago. And, and you've, you've, you've called one or two this year as well, yeah. right? And there are times when you go, is Lauren going to get every single solitary <laughs> rebound in this game? Is anybody else going to get a rebound? That's how dominating she is on the glass. Really, really fun. And how about ready, set, spike? Uh, we previewed it last week. The men's volleyball team soars into the new season. Yeah, and they were 13th in the new poll. Yeah. It, that, Off that and was, flying. That was fun. And nobody kind of – some new faces, young – um, not a lot of expectations, but Sean Olmstead told us he tempered it. Like, yeah, we think we could be pretty good. We're talented, but yeah. we're young. And uh, they started off on, on a nice, uh, on a nice. Yeah, you get the brooms uh, out on so, opening weekend. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's nice. pretty nice against a couple of good teams. So there we'll is talk a more buzz. There's a buzz on our live stream tonight. Everyone knows Jimmer's coming, yeah. and uh, you can feel it. Uh, we're so happy to have all of you listening from wherever. We remind you follow us on YouTube. Uh, you can ask your questions that way. We'll put the link into the chat. Hit the subscribe button. That's free. Click on the bell. We'll get you notifications whenever we post something new or go live. The more subscribers we get, our, the longer our wives are going to let us do this show. That's right. And we don't, 
we don't care how you watch it. Right. So you can watch it just at ysguys.com. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Twitch. We just need you to subscribe to all of them. Yeah. Just go subscribe just do it. to all of them and because <laughs> it doesn't cost anything. We did our research. And, the price is yeah, free. The price is free. And the more you subscribe to, the better it is um, for Diane and Brenda to let us continue to do the show. And if you go to ysguys.com and you subscribe to get our weekly email, you'll get highlights of the show each week just sent right to your email and uh, and the, the highlights. And you can just, just sit there and, and take it all in. But um, uh, And with a big show tonight, Danny Ainge is going to be with us next week. So we are rolling into 2023 See, in grand style. Yeah, BYU Sports said he gets it. Like, free. Yeah, baby. Like, that's what – he's like <laughs> us. If it's free, it's for me. I'll take three, which is a Vice-Sikahema statement. So. And here's another thought. Jimmer, thanks for uh, one of the uh, most exciting times for BYU basketball since Danny Ainge. So uh, the buzz is churning, and Jimmer will be with us. Uh, live from Colorado here in just uh, a couple of minutes. Let's get into some headlines that are big time. BYU lands the top junior college quarterback in the country. Six foot two, two hundred pound Jake Retzloff comes to the Cougars from Riverside City College. Rivals.com lists him as a dual threat, means he can run and throw. Yeah, and he's very athletic. I mean, when I think of dual threat, it's not necessarily Taysom Hill. It's Zach Wilson, right? It's um, it's Jaron Hall, right? Um, and so, and that's exactly what BYU wants to fit into this into this offense that Aaron Roderick has put together. Um, Jeff Hansen of Twenty Four Seven Sports says, uh, if you read kind of the the background on him, that that uh, Jake didn't he didn't play much as a sophomore or a junior. So he wasn't this big high right. school star, and then COVID completely wiped out his senior year. Remember, he's from California. Oh. And so there really wasn't anything to go on um, other than some camps that he'd been to. Looked like he was a big-time talent, but because of what happened in high school, he wasn't on a lot of people's radar, so he had to go the junior college route. And all he did was just blow up NJC. So last season, he throws for 4,596 yards, 44 touchdowns, and just 13 interceptions. That's pretty good. Yeah, like I That's pretty good. I, I was telling you um a little bit ago, I wanted to compare that. So so for reference, folks at home, they would when I think of the two greatest quarterback seasons in BYU history, I think of Robbie Bosco because of the national championship. But statistically, yeah. I think Jim McMahon in nineteen eighty, which was nutso, and then nutso on steroids was Ty Detmer in nineteen ninety. So what does Jim do in nineteen eighty? Four thousand five hundred and seventy one yards and forty seven touchdowns. Pretty good. So so not so Radsliff, four thousand thirty one yards and thirty five touchdowns. That's that's pretty good. Ty Detmer in ninety. This is this is ridiculous. Five thousand one hundred and eighty eight yards <laughs> that year and forty one touchdowns. So what what I'm saying is this I guy can play. I, I realize that it's a different level of competition. Yeah, but. He's coming for a program that throws it all over the place, just like BYU used to, and his numbers are very impressive. And I really like that 44 touchdowns and 13 uh, interceptions. His quarterback rating is outstanding. You can see he's a good decision maker. But most importantly, when I watch him, he's got po- I watch the highlights, pocket presence, and can make every throw, which is, you know, I look at the quarterbacks in BYU's programs, and it's a pretty full room right now, Dave. Yeah. So... And I look at every one of those guys, and they can all make all the throws. I'm confident they can all be good decision makers, and they can all thrive. And so you, you got Keaton Slovis uh, this this. And the season. grand the grand theme is right. This kid comes in. 
plays in four games next year, right. redshirt studies the offense, and he's got two years. And that fills the gap between uh, uh, Finnegan, who's finished up his redshirt freshman year, uh, uh, the Ryder kid from Springville, Ryder, Ryder, Ryder Burton, Burton yep. uh, who's coming in as a true freshman. That fills, fills the gap. Yeah, they're, they're, they needed something in between. You know what? You always need you got to recruit right over the top of everybody because you have to have competition in the quarterback room. And there's also injuries, and there's there, there's lots of uh, there's lots of things that can happen in, in the process of developing a quarterback. You have to have depth, and you have to have talent to push one another, and that's what, what they're going to have. So you're going to have Keaton Slovis, who will take the reins as a grad transfer this year, um, who I think, and I mentioned last week, is going to be phenomenal in this offense, and then um, and then you, you've got um, uh, Radliff. Am I saying it right? Radliff. Radliff. Who? Radliff, right? Radliff. Yeah, we'll all get used to it. Who, who is, is going to be able to to maybe pick it up right after that? And then you got Kate Finnegan, and uh, and you got Ryder Burton. Who like it, it sets up now where you've got you've got each gap filled. And that's exciting stuff. Hey, LJP's on YouTube with us watching uh, from Southern California, six miles from Riverside City College, right in the right, area of where we're go. talking. Thanks for joining the Wise Guys. It's looking at Beaumont, Texas, uh, chiming in. And, and we encourage you to uh, let us know where you're listening, where you're watching. Um, and uh, we're bracing for, for Jimmer here in just a couple of minutes. Tyler Algier, speaking of, of uh, a phenomenal student athlete, that is making waves in the profession. The first Cougar running back to reach a thousand rushing yards in a season. Uh, he did it on Sunday. Not only led the Falcons in rushing, but also set the new single season rookie rushing record for Atlanta with a thousand thirty-five yards. Debut fantastic in Atlanta's seven and ten season. Nice job, Tyler Algier. I I I uh, texted him after the game and said, hey, congrats, we're proud of you. And from the locker room, he texts back and he goes, thanks, man. He, he is still locked in on this community because it meant so much to him. Yeah, he, he was such a great teammate. One of the things we talked about when he went to the NFL was, hey, first of all, we think he can play as a running back. But secondly, he's going to be so good for that team. He's going to be such a good guy in that locker room. And he'll do anything he needs to do. Remember, he played linebacker at BYU for a while and played yeah. on special teams. And we knew that he could at least make the team on special teams. None of us had any idea that he would be the top rookie running back in the National Football League. And Just imagine if he stayed and ran the ball at BYU oh this goodness, last season. And then he'd have another season of eligibility next year. So, so his 1,035 yards was 15th in the NFL. So we're, and remember what we're comparing to. A bunch of veterans, and these are the best players in the world, yeah. period. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry throughout the season on a team that's decent but not great. Not great. Right? Um, that's 11th best in the NFL. So what a season for Tyler Algier. It's such an impressive, impressive start. And they love him in Atlanta because of who he is. Yeah, what's not because to Because of love. who he is, right? Not just because he's producing on the field. And then hours later, Jamal Williams becomes the second BYU running back to surpass 1,000 yards in a season in the NFL, and he too led the Lions ground attack with 1,066 yards, and then he did a couple more things. Yeah. He scored two touchdowns in that game, which breaks Barry Sanders, of all people, <laughs> breaks Barry Sanders' franchise record with 17 regular season rushing touchdowns. Is that the equivalent of Jimmer breaking Danny Ainge's all-time it's, scoring record? It's, it's bigger than that. Is it, <laughs> it could be bigger than that. And that's big. Barry Sanders, and, I, and mind you, he didn't, 
very stepped out when he was still on top of his yeah. game. But one of the greatest running backs in the history of the game. To, to break that record, how special is that? And I saw a video where Barry, who's just the most classy guy you've ever seen, where he sent a video directly to Jamal congratulating him, saying he was really proud of him and, yeah. and, so and, and about the lion spirit. And then in the post-game interview, Jamal breaks down, crying on NBC, talking about how he dedicated the game to his great-grandfather, who just passed away. Yeah. And, uh, and then seconds later... He was getting after the media for picking the Packers. We saw all side. We oh. saw all kinds of Jamal in about forty-five seconds. It's all genuine. Even even the Packers love Jamal from the time <laughs> that he spent there. So I'm, I'm thinking there was a lot of people in that stadium on, on that away game yeah. that were rooting for Jamal to do something special. So good. Um, his he averaged four point one yards a carry, which is great in the National Football League. Um, but his seventeen touchdowns led the league for all positions. So he had more touchdowns than anybody in the National Football League. That's We're saying this about BYU running backs. And each time he seemed to have some different kind of touchdown dance oh, in the yeah. end zone. Yeah. So and, there's and a lot of you, choreography. Did you see his in introduction? There. I still don't even know what he I said. don't either. But something about it was, something of something. Like, I, don't know what it was, I don't know what he was talking about. It was totally next level, that's but for he, sure. But he is, how special is that for BYU to have two running backs that have played here in recent years both 1,000-yard rushers in the National Football League. That says something about this offense, about the way the offensive line play is. And how about this? Here's a list of college programs with two or more 1,000-yard rushers in the NFL this season. Alabama with three, Penn State with two, and BYU with two. That's it. That's a short list. <laughs> and that's pretty good company, right? Absolutely. So that, that is amazing. And, uh, man, it just speaks, it speaks volumes. And do you know what? That's part of the reason that Aiden Robbins transferred from UNLV and, and, and came to BYU in this offseason during the tra- got in the transfer portal. At UNLV, he rushed for over 1,000 yards last season. That's a running theme with all the guys. And, and he comes to BYU with two years of eligibility remaining. Um, 6'3", 230 pounds. Um, he said that the success of Algier and Williams is proof to him that he can get to the NFL as well, right, right here at BYU. And that's part of the reason that he came. He loved the culture. But he loves the offense and he loves the tradition. So, um, Aiden Robbins was a top fifty running back coming out of high school in the Louisville area yeah. in Kentucky. He signed with Louisville out of high school and spent three years there. Um, he graduated early, transferred to UNLV, was phenomenal this last year. Um, really, very underutilized as a young as a young player at Louisville. Really, never got a, an opportunity to showcase. But he got an opportunity to showcase at UNLV last year, and I liked what I saw. Very physical, good speed, but big, pounding physical back. And uh, BYU's going to be really good up front this next year on the offensive line. They just picked up another transfer from Missouri State. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, they're going to be very good up there again. And I-, I think that if he plays the way he played last year in the Big 12 this year, He's got a chance to go on to the National Football League just like his predecessors at BYU. I wrote an article about him. You can read it at Deseret.com, uh, the A-Train. The right. A-Train is, has rolled into town. Uh, offensive line this week ranked number one in pass blocking for the last season by Pro Football Focus. We talked about it all season long. Run game, that struggled, especially in some key spots. But the pass protection was always there all season long. You know, and, I, and I talked to... Um, to Aaron Roderick about the run game. And he said he learned some things about, about himself throughout the season. And they played better down the stretch as they got healthy. But he said when he went and looked, there were some of the same holes 
when they looked seemed like they were struggling offensively to run the football as there were the year before, but Tyler Algier wasn't playing running back. Yeah. And so let's see if Aiden Robbins and maybe a healthy Miles Davis and and you know a a, a healthy running back room can make a difference. And they can get back to what they were the year before when Tyler Algier was so good. In fact, the two years before, how many times did we see BYU with a lead at the end of a game and they just lined up, and I'm talking about good teams like Utah and Arizona State, and just said, you know what, we're just going to pummel you right to the end of the game. We will run the ball nine straight times now and you are not getting the ball back and we'll close the game out. Multiple times they did it. It was fun to watch because a lot of times that happens to us. Multiple times they did it. (laughs) Hey, the Big 12 football schedule. We're expecting early February. That's now closing in on a few weeks. The ACC announcing today they will release their fall schedule on Monday, January 30th. So maybe that day or the following day, February 1st, we'll see who BYU is going to play in their first season in the Big 12. Lots to talk about, but it is our pleasure to introduce our first guest tonight, the only cougar to be so big that he created his own word in the English language. <laughs> he electrified Cougar Nation since 2007. His basketball journey took him to the Sweet 16, the NBA draft lottery, and all around the world. He's much more than a guy who can make baskets, but making baskets made him a guy that everybody's heard of. It's our pleasure to welcome the great Jimmer Fredette into the Wise Guys tonight. Hey, Jimmer, thanks for joining us. What is up, guys? I am happy to be here. Excited about it. Love the show. You guys are the best, so I'm excited to be here with you guys. Hey, when you uh, when thanks, you see uh, Algier and Jamal do what they did in the NFL as a as a BYU athlete who also succeeded at the next level, what what do you what do you think about when you see those guys do what they've done? Man, it's so great to see. I mean, I was calling for the Atlanta to to give the ball to Tyler from the beginning of the year. I was like. Listen, I swear, if you would have done that from the beginning of the year, you guys would be in the playoffs right now. I'm like, the guy can run the football, knows what he's doing. He's smart, but he's super strong, athletic, he's fast. And Jamal has just been a a touchdown machine this year. It's been fun to watch both of them. I wish I had Jamal in fantasy, but uh, he's been doing some some great stuff. It's fun to see these, uh, you know, all the Cougars in the NFL that are doing so well. We got a bunch of them right now that are really playing good football, and it's, it's fun to watch. And Jimmer, you you follow it pretty close, especially the BYU guys. You know, we we got to catch up you and I and Whitney when you were here for a game this fall. I know Whitney had like a cheer reunion, Cougar yeah. reunion, and all that because my wife and daughter were involved in that. But but you have followed BYU football, whether it be from a distance from wherever you are or up close when you're around for a long time, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I mean, I grew up playing football. I played football all the way through high school. My, you know, my second favorite sport. I loved it. Loved Friday nights playing in high school and uh, was recruited uh, to play some football, but you know, ultimately was, wasn't going to, I didn't like football practice. I was like, I'm not doing that. I want, I want basketball practice. That's much easier for me, but, uh, but I love it. Uh, it's probably my favorite sport to watch, to be honest with you. So I'm locked in, uh, on on Saturdays watching football, especially our Cougars, and uh, you know my my father father in law and his side of the family, they're huge Cougar fans. So uh, you know I couldn't not watch it, that's for sure. But I I enjoy I enjoy it, I love it, and keep tabs on the team. When you were here, were you ever tempted to go make a cameo uh, over at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Oh my goodness, yes, I absolutely was. Like I want, I just wanted to go into practice and run routes. Right. And like just play play against the guys, maybe some seven on seven, have some fun. 
enjoy doing that. I ended up, uh, you know, playing a little bit more rugby actually than football while I was there. Cause the rugby guys would work out while I was, wor- while we were working out and I'd be like, all right, let's go play some, some rugby afterwards. So that was super fun too. But, uh, but yeah, I would, I would have loved to, uh, to suit up for, for the Cougs in Lavelle Edwards stadium. Oh. That would have been amazing. Hey, if we, if you want to make it, I know a few people, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I yeah, could, you know some if, guys. If, 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 don't you think we could get Jimmer in the alumni football game? Uh, you, you, want to oh, yeah, you could be right? the quarter. You could do whatever that you want. So awesome. I'm down for, I'm would, down for that. So, so, I'd, I'd love to play in that. You know, I don't know. Do I have a year of eligibility left? Can I take a grad graduate year grad or transfer. something to be able to come back and play? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> if you're in graduate school, I think we can get you a grad a grad school one. Let's, hey, we, let's we put a note on we, that. We were playing, Jimmer. We were. You'll love this. We were. We were playing in a benefit thing. This is a few years ago against a bunch of University of Utah guys and and. Uh, it was Brian Johnson and his crew, and I'd put a whole crew together with Johnny Harley and yep. a bunch of guys. And we went up at Cottonwood High School, filled the place up. We're playing a flag football game, and we had this great plan. And, and all planned ahead. When we got down inside the 20-yard line, the announcer said, oh, it looks like BYU's bringing in the secret weapon. Sean Bradley <laughs> comes out of the tunnel, and he runs out, <laughs> and he, right, he lines up at wide receiver for me. And he runs, uh, he runs yeah. to the corner of the end zone. And I throw it up there about 11 feet high. <laughs> and the DBs look like midgets out there. And he just jumps up and he catches it and spikes it. It's one of my like, – I played in some big games in my life, but that was one uh, of the most epic things I've ever done. It was so that's, fun. That's the greatest thing ever. That's the greatest thing. I love it. Sean's such a good guy and an athlete. He could play. He could, he could run. He could uh, jump. He could do all that stuff at that height. I'm sure he did not want to play tackle because the, the knees for sure were probably something he was worried about, but uh, flag is perfect. <laughs> exactly. And then long, long before his, his cycling accident, I, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, I feel so bad that, that, that took his ability to move and do all that away. But what, what a Terrible. great, what a great representative uh, Sean has been for the university as well. Hey, Absolutely. We, we had Sean uh, Olmstead on the show last week, volley, uh, the volleyball coach, and we yeah. were we were talking about that you were coming on the show this week, and he goes, "I got a Jimmer story." He goes, <laughs> <laughs> "Everyone's got one," so we were like, "Well, tell us." And he goes, "So, <laughs> over there at the Smith Field House, they've got the two floors for volleyball, and when they're practicing, no one gets to do anything on either floor because it's it's too loud." He goes, "Except for Jimmer, he was the only one that had this pass," and he and he yep. said. We'd be over there doing strategy, and someone's bouncing a ball, and we're like, go over there and tell whoever that the gym's closed, and the assistant would go look between the partition, look back, go, it's Jimmer. He goes, okay, that's good. And then he told us that during breaks with his team, he'd come over and rebound for you. Now, that's some star power you had. It was incredible. I had a a pack with Coach um, because, obviously, we didn't have a practice facility back then. We didn't have have the annex back then we were trying to fight for for gym time with the where the rest of the students right and i got kicked out of the rv so many times trying to work out without a wristband and you know all of these different things that happened but i found out that they would practice you know it would be in the mornings they they would practice and they weren't they didn't use the third court so i was like oh man i have to go over there and try to do this because they didn't patrol it as much so i was like coach listen can you vouch for me is it okay if i just go over there and shoot and get my workout in and he's like yeah no problem i'm happy to do it so that's what uh, he's he's the reason for Jimmermania. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love it. Did, did you, and he takes credit for it. Believe me, Sean yeah. takes credit for it. Did, did, how many shots would you get up a day? Like, what was your goal off season? Um, let's say through high school and into college, and like, did you have a routine, a number of shots? I mean, Tyler Hawes told us that from the time he was yep. in sixth grade 
He never got up less than 100 free throws any day ever. And I'm like, well, that, nice. expl that explains the 92% uh, career, right? But uh, yeah. what, what, what was your, how much, because I want people to understand how much work it takes to be Jimmer. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot of work for sure. I mean, uh, I, for me, it wasn't necessarily a certain amount of shots per day that I definitely did. But what I was always focused on is making sure that I was going game speed. Right. And I, I didn't practice or get a workout in unless I was ready to go and, and going as fast as I possibly could. Uh, for me, uh, if you're not going game speed in a workout, it's almost, you know, not a, it's, it's not a great workout, honestly. Like when you get out in the court, it's such a different feel than when you're in practice. So if you're kind of just going 50% and then you get out the court, it's a much different shot. It's a much different lift on your shot. Uh, you're floating into it differently. So it was very much more like the quality of the shot over the quantity of the shot. Now it was the same as Tyler. I didn't leave the gym without making a hundred free throws ever after any practice as well. Like I never, never did that. I always made a hundred and I tried to make a hundred in a row if I could. Um, that's, that was, that was always my goal. I've reached it several times, but, uh, not always. I'd always get mad though if I missed one. <laughs> so it would be, uh, so I'd for sure do that. Um, you know, I'd always get up, uh, my catch and shoot threes, but I had a whole regimen. I mean, obviously I, I worked on shots that I would get in the game. So I worked on a lot of pull-up threes. I worked on a lot of transition ball screen shots. I worked on a lot of floaters. Um, I worked on a lot of finishing at the baskets, um, you know, different things all over the all over the court where I would get my shots in the game because then I feel comfortable as soon as I get in. All of that leads up to this question. Did you ever think that the phrase jimmered or as in you just got jimmered would become a thing? No, I did not. But I guess my mom did. I mean, she's the branding expert over here. I mean, my real name is James. Uh, I've never been called it. It's only been Jimmer ever since I was young. She went into my schools and was like, hey, you're calling him Jimmer. I know it says James, but it's Jimmer. What if and, you were uh, in super trouble? Brand. What if you were in big, big trouble? Would you ever hear James? From your mom? No, no. They still, they wow. still would say Jimmer. Yep. They still, they still would, they just would say it more sternly, right? <laughs> and that happened, happens several times. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was always Jimmer. Well, the, the brand, the branding worked. But you know what? The branding doesn't work unless the game goes along with it, right? Yeah. You got you, you can, right. you can do all the branding you want, but if the product doesn't stand up to the branding, then it, then it doesn't, it doesn't fly. And. Obviously, it flew for you, not just in the United States, but all over the world. Where, where's the most unusual place? Uh, we know you've played internationally a bunch, but where you got recognized and somebody came up to you and recognized you as Jimmer. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been kind of all over the place. So, I mean, I've gotten recognized several times in European countries, um, you know, just kind of walking around like when we're in Israel uh, playing against Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, you know, you walk around there and people would come up and be like, Hey, I recognize you yeah, on, and everything. <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny because I actually have had a, uh, a lot of experiences where, uh, you know, missionaries would be over in a country in like Thailand or, you know, a remote place in Africa. And they would ask, they'd be like, wait, did you, do you know Jimmer for that? <laughs> wait, do you know who that is? <laughs> like, is that his, is that the same church or whatever? So I've had a lot of stories 
of, as far as that's concerned. But I've been, yeah, I mean, all over the places in China, obviously all the remote places in China have been recognized in, in all the countries I've been in, which has been really, really fun. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, basketball travels, that's for sure. And uh, people love it. Your kids are getting a little older, but uh, are they amazed? Do they ever ask dad, why does everyone know your name? What my oldest Wesley is starting to wonder, you know, like when we get into uh, we get to the uh, you know football game this year, and I'm kind of we get down on the field and people start chanting the name, and then she's just like, "Dad, why are they yelling your name? Like this doesn't make any sense, you know? Like I, I don't get it." And you know, they're like, "Why are they asking for autographs and pictures?" So she's starting to recognize it and starting to kind of uh, pick it up a little bit. Um, and you know, she calls me the best basketball player in the world, which I appreciate. Nice. And, uh, you know, so she's got it. She's got it down. But uh, yeah, she's uh, she's starting to recognize Taft, not quite yet, and obviously Grayson, not yet. <laughs> right. And and Whitney's still okay with it uh, with it all, or do you get a lot of eye rolls now? Yeah, no, she's always eye rolling. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's like she's like, are you kidding me? Like this should not still be going on at, at all. You know, like anything like that. But I, I mean, in Denver, it's great. We still you know, we get recognized. We don't get recognized quite as much, so we're able to enjoy our time and and have a great a great experience. And then when we get to Utah, we know uh, you know a little bit more right. uh, pictures, autographs, different things like that when we get there. So we expect that, and we appreciate the fans. She's always been great, and uh, you know I always appreciate the fans too. Yeah, and Whit- Whitney's an all-star too. Like Dave and I clearly outkicked our coverage, but as good as great as Jimmer is, he really like. I know he can sell because he got Whitney. That is for sure. Oh yeah. Let me tell you what. It was like a two-year sell job too. Like it was not. It wasn't a. It wasn't just like a one-week thing. I was. I was on that sales job for a while. And, uh, you know, I kept following up and it, it ended up working. So uh, now it's been, it's, she's, she's the best. I love it. I love it. Hey, we're visiting with Jimmer for dad and the wise guys, the 2011 John Wooden award winner, the best college basketball player in America. We're, we're glad you're all here with us listening in and we're, we, we see it on the, on the live chat. We'll get to some of the questions that you're, that you're putting up there. Hey, hey, Jimmer, 12 times you score 40 or more points during your senior year in high school in Glens Falls. And not very many people know where Glens Falls is, but you know I know where Glens Falls is because yes. I grew up in Elmira. Absolutely. So, yet so few colleges understood the talent and offered scholarship to you. What, what, what was the deal with that? I, I'm amazed that more didn't come after you at that time. Yeah, I think a lot of it, I mean, it was before social media. I think that's yeah. one of the one of the reasons, um, you know, you can't just put yourself out there. You're sending tape into people or if they don't see you live, then, you know, that's just the way it worked back in the day. Um, you know, I say back in the day as if I'm older, but, you know, it's still, it still was before social media, which is crazy to think about. But yeah. um, so, you know, I, uh, I would go to these tournaments. Um, I was on a good AAU team. Uh, we go all over the country. We play against guys like Derek Rose or Eric Gordon or Michael Beasley or OJ Mayo. And we'd go and I'd still play really well. I'd have my 20, 25 points for the game. Um, play well but the problem was is that the coaches weren't really there to see me they were there to see the other guys and they'd be like oh the kid he played well but then they wouldn't ever watch me again they wouldn't follow up they'd follow the other guys right so the only two that would ever do it was coach rose and fran mccaffrey from siena college those were the two that were always at my games they were following me no matter what 
Um, and, uh, you know, that's one of the main reasons why, you know, I love BYU and, and they put a lot of effort into me and, uh, and my family and came to a football game and all that stuff. So because of that, that's, that's the, the big reason why I chose it. But I've, I've seen a lot of coaches afterwards, Jay Wright from Villanova, Coach Bayheim um, at Syracuse um, and some of the other coaches and we're all like, I'm so sorry we missed you. He's like, you guys, you should have been, you should have been on a team. I should have offered you a scholarship and, you know, after the fact. So, uh, yeah, they recognize it afterwards, but yeah, just, I just was uh, from a small school. They didn't think I was playing against great competition and, uh, yeah, didn't know about me. Well, look how the stars uh, aligned for you and, and your destiny of, of who you are today and, and how that became, which started with just the scenario you painted. Somehow you had to get to BYU and, yeah. and one of the reasons your sister was out here and, and there weren't a lot of, of scholarship offers, but you come and uh, you play off the bench as a freshman, uh, start every game but one as a sophomore, and then things take off as a junior. What happened between your sophomore and junior seasons that prepared you for this launch? Yeah, you know, I, I started to feel towards the end of my sophomore year that I was becoming one of the leaders of the team. Right. And, uh, you know, I just felt like during conference play, uh, coach was leaning on me a lot. My teammates were leaning on me a lot to score the basketball, make the right decisions um, in big games, you know, in big, big conference games against really good quality opponents. Um, so I knew at that point I had slipped by a spot where, you know, I was going to be, you know, starting point guard. And uh, so at that point, it was like, hey, for me, I had two goals, right? Like one of the goals was I wanted to make sure that our team made it to the, to the tournament every single year and advanced in, the, and advanced in the tournament. Um, and we had to have a great season in order to do that. And then secondly, you know, my individual goal was always to make it to the NBA. You know, so I was very focused on both of those things. And I knew that I had to get way better if I was going to be able to do that. Right. And uh, so I just I just kept working. Um, you know, a lot of time in the summer, getting shots up, working on my body, working on my quickness, my athleticism, um, my strength, all of these things to just try to prepare me, knowing that I was going to play a lot of minutes that next year and, uh, you know, that I was going to be one of the captains of the team and that if, you know, the team was going to go as, as I was able to, to help. So uh, I put a lot of effort into it and, uh, you know, just got working that summer. You know, we, we, we were going to, we wanted, as we go forward in this, kind of take a stroll down memory lane with you. But before we get into that, because we want to talk about some of the things that, that you did during that time. But as we go back and look at those couple of years, your, your junior and senior year, I always marvel at how much talent was on that basketball team. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, and hard to match that amount of talent. When I think of BYU teams, and you know, Dave and I are old dudes, so we've been doing this a long, long time. Yeah. I'd be hard-pressed to find a team, maybe other than that team that Danny... And those guys yeah. played with an 80 that had the all-around talent that this team that, that you played with your junior and senior year had. Uh, yeah. what, what about that? And what about that collection of talent? How fun was that to play with that group? It was it was incredible. I mean, not only was it an amazing collection of talent, but everyone bought into their role, too. You know, you had guys that... Um, probably could have gone other places and been starters or, you know, been high, high volume guys right off the, uh, right off the bat that decided that they wanted to come to BYU because of coach Rose and what we were building there and, you know, took a little bit of a lesser role, um, you know, and from the beginning, right. So even a guy like Tyler coming in this freshman year, um, you know, was incredible, um, played a lot of minutes, but still was splitting minutes with Charles and, 
some of these other guys. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously he had a pick of his litter. He was such a great high school player. Kyle Collinsworth, um, you know, the guy that was highly recruited, uh, Brandon Davies, Chris Collinsworth. I mean, and then of course I have to throw Jackson in there, even though I don't want to. And, uh, you know, all these guys that were just incredible people and they were, had one goal in mind. They wanted to win and that was it. And, uh, I loved all of our guys such a talented group as you can see a lot of guys wanted to play professionally yeah. at a high level and uh, still playing to this day that's great hey so we're going to go down memory lane here we're going to throw a date in the score and then you, we want you to tell us something unique about that night now you you won a lot of games and but we've picked the best of the best you ready all right let's do it let's go december 28 2009 you score 49 at arizona which is a McHale center record what happened that night Oh, what an unbelievable night. I mean, no one expected us to go in that night and beat Arizona. They were a top 10 team uh, at the McHale Center. They never lose in that arena. Amazing fans. And right from the get-go, like, I just was feeling it for some reason. I had a bunch of threes in the first half. I think Jackson scored a bunch. Um, you know, guys were just – we were just feeling really good offensively and defensively. I think I had, like, nine threes that game. Um, well, I think, uh, somewhere in that area and, uh, just the, the basket was huge. Right. And then <laughs> I just remember at the end, the, the fans at the McHale center giving us a standing ovation as we left. And that was something that I remember. Wow. On, on a night like that, when you say the basket was huge, what's that like when, when you say the basket is huge? Yeah, no, it just is. You get into this zone. I, it's kind of like when you're work, like I try to always, you know, uh, liken it to when I'm working out, right? Like when I work out, I try to find a zone when I'm playing where I'm just zoning out and I'm actually just making shots effortlessly, not thinking about it at all, not worrying about anything that's going on. It's just the ball's going up and making baskets. And you can end up making 20, 25, 30 in a row from three, and you're not even thinking about it. And then I try to translate that into the game where it's like, that's the same thing. I'm just going through my workout, basically. It doesn't matter what the defense is doing. It doesn't matter what they're trying to do. I have a counter for all of it. And once I get to my spot, if I get that shot up, I feel like it's going in. So you just feel like you're in that zone, like you're working out, uh, getting your shots off, like there was no one there and nothing, and you're just in an empty gym by yourself. I, I know that zone. I get in that zone when I'm shoveling the walk. You know, you're I, just thought out you, there. I thought you got in it when you were eating Captain Crunch. Well, like, that too. Sometimes yeah, I see like that look in his zone. eye when he's eating Captain after, Crunch. Right after Bucks. Yep. It's, it's perfect. Just, it doesn't even think about it. It's like mindless when he just shovels it down. It's so. a focus. It's unique. So, yeah, okay, let, let, let's fast forward to March 10th or March 11th, 2010. You have 45 points against TCU. You set a Mountain West Conference tournament record. Now, you're going to go on and break that later. We'll talk about that later. But at that time, a Mountain West tournament record, 45 against TCU. Yeah. Yeah, that was an awesome night. I mean, uh, like I said, everybody there, uh, all of our teams that were in the Mountain West Conference were really good. I think that was a first-round game that we played. Um, we were, you know, <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we beat those guys to advance in the tournament, right? Like, uh, it's just – survive in advance at that point we're still fighting for a, a spot in the ncaa tournament uh we figured we'd probably make it but that's a that's a big game for us um and uh you know just went out there started feeling good and again and and uh, my teammates always do a good job of finding me when i'm when i'm feeling good and in the zone coach rice 
Coach Rose were like, hey, run some plays for him, get him, get him involved, you know, let him shoot the basketball. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate that from everyone. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a great game, big game uh, for us to be able to advance in the tournament. Speaking of the tournament, go to March 18th, 37 points against Florida in the first round of the big dance. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, you know, one of my favorite games. Um, we hadn't advanced in the tournament, um, in BYU for a, a long time. And that was one of our goals that year. Like we wanted to make the tournament and then advance in the tournament. And, uh, you know, Florida was a really good opponent, had some really great players on that team, Chandler Parsons and some other guys, um, just solid players. And, uh, I think it was double, was it double overtime that game? I think uh, so. It's double overtime, yeah. and uh, I mean, you know, to be able to win that game was something that was super special for us as a as a program. Uh, all the hard work we put in finally paid off, and we we're able to win a game and kind of get that monkey off our backs. We are walking through Jimmer Mania with Jimmer Fredette on the Wise Guys next week. Danny Ainge will join the show. Yeah, hey, let, let's now let's go to December eighth, two thousand ten. This is kind of a special game, not because of the special team you're playing, but because it's in Glens Falls. So you're, you're <laughs> yes. back home. Um, you get 26 points against Vermont, but but I remember there were 6,300 fans in attendance. It's got to be half the population of Glens Falls there. How fun was that? <laughs> what was that like to go back home and play? Uh, it was unbelievable. I know Coach Rose, he always tries to get a game, um, you know, close to one of his seniors' uh, hometown, right? Like so that the hometown can kind of come see him. Most of the kids are from the West Coast. You know, Utah, obviously, is easy. California, you know, Arizona, a lot of these places are pretty easy, but my place, uh, you know, Glens Falls is not an easy place to get back to. And they ended up putting it smack dab in the middle of Glens Falls and the Civic Center, literally five blocks from where I grew up. Mm. Right. And Vermont was kind enough to be able to, to come and play us. Uh, they had a good team at the time. But I just remember it was probably the only time you'll see BYU fans in the front row with blue wearing Cougar stuff with a beer in their hands, drinking it. <laughs> a great time. So I think that was probably one of the only times you'll see that. But it was uh, an incredible event. Um, loved it. Uh, Danny Ainge was there. He came up from Celtics when he was there. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people came up to watch the game. And uh, one of my favorite games of all time for sure, because literally half the town was there. I hope you had some elementary school teachers that were there that came up and said. See, we told you you could become something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, everyone was there. I promise. All my teachers uh, from one K through twelve were all there, and you know we all know each other by names, and you know just everyone, youth little league, uh, everyone was there. So it was fun. Awesome. January eleventh, two thousand eleven. You score forty-seven at Utah, including a half-court shot uh, to beat the buzzer at halftime. What a night. And and that's Utah wasn't great. And I do remember BYU fans took over the arena up there in, in Salt Lake and you put on a show. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, we put on a show. I think I had a great game, had the half court shot, walked in all stoic, people loved it, all that stuff. The only thing that was shown on ESPN, I swear, was the missed dunk that I had. <laughs> so I think that was I'm pretty sure that was the only thing that came up on ESPN, but they put up the F forty seven at least. But um, yeah, so that, I remember that. Um, I remember the half-court shot. I do uh, have have had a lot of Utah fans 
ever since then come up and be like, just want to let you know, we we were secret BYU fans that year. <laughs> just, you know, we loved it. We enjoyed it. We had a great time. So uh, I won't name any names or anything, but uh, it, was, it was a great, it was a great time. And it's always fun to play against uh, University of Utah just because it's such a great rivalry. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we enjoyed it. It's best to keep those, those identities behind the scenes. <laughs> hey, was it, was it more fun to beat them in front of your fans at the Marriott Center or just the uniqueness of blowing them out in front of their fans? No, it's always better to, to win in the other arena, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I love that stuff. I mean, just because it doesn't matter where it was, you know, we had that 2011 season's particular. I mean, the fans, I mean, the, the arenas were full before we started warming up, right? Like the student sections were there. Yeah. So I'd sit there and I'd stand right next to the student section before we worked, uh, before the game started, just so I could hear everybody yelling stuff at me and just get myself pumped up as much as I can, knowing that hopefully we can shut you up at the end and be able <laughs> to you know walk out of here with a victory that was that was what we wanted we always talk about that on the show jim where i just say listen this is a game in, in an angry place which you can get energy from a hostile opponent's crowd as well as you can at home and some people don't yeah. understand that but I, I i know you do um hey i want to make a comment about that january 11th game so your your half court shot was the sports center number one play of the day. So it was the top ten. It was number one, and nice. it, sometimes the dunk must have been number yeah. two. So sometimes yeah, exactly. they they uh, they'll just take the announcer's call on the sports center top ten. Right. That night, my call of you hitting that shot, they took all my nice. friends, all my friends back in New York. Called me, he's like, dude. You were the number one play. You were the number one play on Sports Center Day. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? No, you were the number one play on Sports Center. Like your voice. I'm like, what are you talking about? They go, Jimmer's half court shot. You called it. And I'm like, oh wow. That's, That's hilarious. Awesome. So, I love it. So I wrote I, love it. I wrote on your coattails to get my voice on the Sports Center number number one play of the day. So we, we did that together. Yes, that was we, us. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> hey, let, let's take you to February 5th, 2011. You scored 29 against UNLV at the Marriott Center, which which is a big deal. But but the bigger deal is you become the Mountain West Conference all-time leading scorer. What did that mean to you? Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, there's some great players that have come through the uh, the Mountain West Conference. Um, and obviously, it, it took a long time to get there. That's my senior year at the very end. So obviously, it takes a, a lot of hard work and a lot of consistency uh, to stay healthy uh, throughout the whole time and then have a team that uh, you know truly believes in you and lets you go out there and, and do your thing to be able to, to – to, you know, break that record was something that was super special and, uh, you know, something I, I definitely won't forget. March 11th, month later, 52 against New Mexico at the Thomas and Mack Center. That was nuts. With all the McCann kids sitting, uh, like on the top row of that place. Uh, you break Danny Ainge's all-time record. I think you did it with one free throw in the whole thing, but you get 52. What was going through your mind? I knew you were in that zone, but when you came out of the zone and realized what you did while you were in the zone, what did, what did you think of? It was uh, it was such a fun night just because, I mean, prefacing that whole thing, we were not supposed to beat New Mexico. Like that was uh, we, that was a game that everyone thought that we were going to lose. Um, you know, they had beat us twice that year. They had our number for some reason. They were the only two teams, the only two losses that we had in conference. And we only had three for the whole year. So we lost to them twice. And I was super mad at that. And I was I, I was just like, I don't want to lose this game. I really don't. I'm going to do everything I can. I might shoot way too much, but hopefully they're going in because if they go in, then hopefully we have a chance to win. 
And uh, so we ended up winning that game and I was able to break, you know, some a bunch of different records in that game. And then afterwards, just, you know, seeing, you know, my family up there, Whitney and, you know, just everybody just to be able to enjoy that that moment uh, afterwards and realize, you know, what I was able to accomplish is, is special. There's a lot of hard work that goes into this, a lot of hours, a lot of years that goes into this type of work. Uh, so to be able to see some uh, fruits of your labor is uh, really exciting and, uh, you know, something that I, I was truly grateful for. We'll ask Danny next week, but what do you remember Danny telling you uh, after that? Yeah, he was just, you know, he said, congratulations, you deserve it, um, you know, and uh, he said that, told me I was a great player and obviously a, a great person. So, you know, he said, I was happy that it happened with me when deep down, I'm sure he was like, I <laughs> don't like that you beat my record. And because uh, that's how that, how everyone thinks, right? And I get that. And then Tyler goes and breaks it in like two years. I'm like, Tyler, you couldn't have waited. Like I, I couldn't have the record for, you know, maybe 20 years like Danny or 30 years like Danny did. Like or, he had yeah. to go and break yeah. it like right it just, away. It so just, I didn't it, like that. It didn't seem right for Tyler to do that. I got well, he was on the show and, and we talked to him about that and we, he doesn't he, feel bad well, about it no, at he all. He does feel not bad. feel no, bad. No, he doesn't. But, I talked to him about it. He doesn't feel bad about it. I've tried, you know, I don't know. He it did just, admit that he, he said, Danny and I played a lot more as freshmen and, and, than, than Jimmer did. So he admitted <laughs> the, that. The, that is true. That he is did. true. But I, I think I had the ultimate green light as a senior. <laughs> yes, that's true, true. So, I mean, that was, that was something that was a little different, too. <laughs> sometimes Danny reminds us that there was a three-point yeah, line, like, There's no three point line during the point, so. Jimmer era. Totally. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, hey, let's, let's fast forward a week um, after that great New Mexico game where we were all shaking our head. I called that game too, by the way. March 19th, 2011. Now you're in the tournament and, and you score 34 against Gonzaga to return to the Sweet 16. Yeah, uh, probably my favorite game just because of the fact that, uh, you know, we were able to reach our goal, making it to the Sweet 16. Obviously, we wanted to advance further than that. Um, but to make it to the Sweet 16 for the first time since Danny's team's uh, you know, it was special for the university. Uh, just kind of shows that uh, BYU was here for real and that we were someone to be reckoned with, that we could advance, that we could make noise in the tournament, that we had, you know, a top tier uh, program. And Coach Rose was doing a great job running it. Um, so I think that all of those things uh, laid true. And it was just, a, it was a special night. It's something that, uh, you know, I'll never forget to be able to achieve that with our team and how excited we were, how excited Coach Rose was. And everybody in the, in the organization and, and at BYU and and uh, those moments are things that'll live on forever and people will always remember those things. So to be able to accomplish it was was amazing. And when you think about it, the Zags were kind of the crown jewels of the of the hidden Mountain West. This was a this was a public beatdown and and it really said that it really kind of announced that BYU was for real and and serious. Yeah, again, like a lot of those games, we were kind of underdogs, right? Like, uh, you know, once we had, we didn't really have a, a true center at that point. We had Kyle Collinsworth playing center, you know, most of the time during during that time period and playing a lot of zone and doing a lot of different things. So, I mean, yeah, to be able to do that and play the way that we played, with the heart we played with and be able to be a great team like Gonzaga who had pros on their team um, that, uh, you know, went on to do great things and obviously just an amazing program in general. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of foreshadowing of what was come to come down the road as we, uh, you know, embarked into the uh, WCC. Jimmer Fredette's on the Wise Guys as we revisit Jimmer Mania, which was not limited to his time at BYU. <laughs> Let's go to June 23rd, 2011, Blaine. 
Yeah, drafted 10th overall pick in the NBA draft by the Bucks, then immediately traded to the Kings. I'm still not happy about that. I was at an <laughs> event. Let me just tell you about that. I was at an event that night with Dale Earnhardt Jr. emceeing <laughs> something at a go-kart track in Vegas. And I had lunch with uh, George Maloof earlier in the day, who I'd gotten to know mm-hmm. while my time in Vegas. He texts me. I looked at my phone. He goes, hey, we're getting Jimmer. And then a few <laughs> minutes later, they announced the trade that got nice. you from, from Milwaukee. I felt like an insider for like five minutes. But, you knew before uh, I did. But we, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Exactly. You might have. Yeah. But we were so excited to, to have you in the lottery pick group. What did that feel like? Yeah, that was fun. I mean, the, it was it was a little bit of a bummer just because it wasn't at Madison Square Garden like it normally was. Like that year, it was getting Madison Square Garden was getting renovated, so we had it at the Prudential Center in uh, in New Jersey, and uh, still a cool, you know, obviously an amazing experience to be able to be there with your fellow, you know, uh, athletes that are going to be drafted um, and be able to go up and shake, you know, Commissioner Stern's hand. Yeah. and do all the stuff and put the hat on and have pictures and all of those things. It was a, it, it's a special night because I was able to be there with my family and, and to achieve a goal that I've truly been trying to achieve my whole life. Like that there, there's not, there's not a whole lot of words that you can put into that. It's just, it just is emotion that you feel. And uh, it, it, it was special. It was super fun. And uh, the only problem was, is that I was there forever because of the trade yeah. I was in the, I was in the draft room. They, they won't let you come out and do all of your media stuff until the trade properly goes through. And my trade took forever. It literally took probably three or four hours. Really? I was the last one out of the, I was the last one out of the building. I was walking out with the janitors and <laughs> oh, uh, for, didn't get to, uh, didn't get to my draft party. So I didn't get to see anybody afterwards. So that kind of stunk. But yeah. other than that, it was a great night. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I, I don't know. I'm watching Jimmer, and I'm just a little selfish because I want my guys to be at places where I think they'll utilize them. And I was just like, I felt the same way when you were, got traded to the Kings, Jimmer, that I that I felt when Zach got drafted by the Jets. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I grew up with the Jets. Please no. Like, can he, can he go one? Can he go third to the Niners, yeah. please? Like an like. Right. And and I kind of felt I, I felt the same way a little bit with the Kings. I'm like, oh no, not the not the Kings. I want. Jimmer was San Antonio or someplace where he'll thrive, but, but Hey, yeah, in, in the draft, you go, you go where you got to go. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, uh, you know, in the professional leagues for 80, 85% of the, the people that are in the league, it's about situation, right? It's about timing and situation. You got to find the right time. You got to find the right situation to coach that believes in you in the right spot. Maybe an injury occurs or something where you get a chance to play. You know, a lot of these things are, are what happen in order for you to, to get your shot, right? And, and sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And it's just the way it's just the way of the, the cookie crumbles sometimes. Taysom was like that. Remember, he went to the Packers and got cut. Yeah. But then the Saints got him and said, we got a vision for you. And yeah, then, he, exactly. then he hasn't left. Yeah, and everybody's like, Packers, are you idiots? <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. so hey, but February 12th, 2013. You have your career high, NBA career high, where you go for 24 um, in the Kings overtime victory against the Knicks. What was that like? The Knicks, the New York Knicks. Yep. The team you uh, and I grew up was, with. That was incredible. I mean, uh, you know, to play in Madison Square Garden, my favorite arena, you know, in the world, uh, you know, just so much buzz. Uh, the lighting is different. You feel like you're on a stage. All the celebrities that are there um, to play in front of my hometown where there was a lot of f- friends and family that were there uh, at the game um, to be able to be a big part of our win 
um, you know, that's a lot of fun and be able to feel like a little bit like Jimmer back in, in college days where I was just shooting threes and making them and, and helping our team win. So that was super fun. And one little story about that, Ben Stiller was sitting on the, uh, the, the sidelines and I know we had a uh, jump bars, a uh, little side out where I had to take the ball out and Ben Stiller was right there. And he's like, hey, Jimmer, will you please stop making shots? And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Stiller. And I'm like, why didn't you just call him Ben? I don't know. I was like, I was all proper and everything. I didn't know what to say. Starstruck and everything. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a great moment. But I was able to meet him afterwards when he, when I was in Westchester. He came and watched a couple games of ours with his kids. So he's an awesome person. That's, cool. <laughs> That's fun. That's awesome. fun. All right, uh, let's put these two dates together. A few more questions with Jimmer Fredette here tonight on the Wise Guys. Uh, February 19th and November 11th, both in 2017, different seasons. You get 73 for the Shanghai Sharks in February. You come back with 75 for the Sharks in November. Now, that's just nuts. That. That's just nuts. We saw the highlights, <laughs> but what the heck? 73 yeah. and 75? How does that even happen? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I, I'm the only person I think over in China scored over 73 times. And uh, it's just like a... I don't, I don't, I don't honestly know. I mean, they expect us to score a lot of points over there. Like that's, that's why they bring Americans over to play, right? They yeah. either you're a really great rebounder and can block a lot of shots, or you can score the basketball extremely well, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I was on the scoring uh, avenue. I wasn't rebounding, blocking a ton of shots or anything like that, <clears throat> obviously. But you know, so for me. They were just like, hey, shoot the basketball. And every time I got into the zone, my big guy, Max, who was, you know, from, he's from China, but he went to the University of California to play basketball. So he spoke perfect English, but he was 7'3". <laughs> and every time I'd come over half court, he'd be like, I'm going to set you a screen. Just shoot it. Every time. So I literally would come up the court. He'd set it over half court, set the screen. I'd navigate it and I'd shoot it. And he's like, when you're feeling it, just let me know. And we just kept running it over and over and over. And, you know, that, like, again, that, that basket seems so big when you start, uh, when you start playing and uh, start hitting those shots. And I don't know how it happens to be honest with you. It's just getting, I honestly, it's like hard to remember because yeah, it's such a lot. It's so many points that you don't really know how you get there. You just kind of just shoot and all of a sudden you're there. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Two nights. Actually three <coughs> nights. Cause three times over 70 for yeah. Jimmer in that league. Unbelievable. Yeah. Jimmer, what will it mean to you uh, when the day comes that your jersey goes up in the rafters there at the Marriott Center? Oh, that'll mean so much to me. Obviously, BYU is, it's a second home to me. I mean, I just love being in Utah. I love being in Provo. The people that I've met there, the relationships that I've met there, obviously, I met my wife there. Um, You know, I still have lifelong friends that, that are in Utah and at BYU. To be able to have the rafter, uh, the jersey up in the rafters is something that you leave a legacy forever. So people will remember it. And, um, you know, so whenever I go back to BYU, I, I'll feel comfortable. I'll feel at home. And, um, you know, I feel like I belong. And uh, it's just a, it, it's such a cool feeling. So hopefully it happens. And uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to happen. And it'll be a special oh, yeah. night. Oh, yeah. It's it'll gonna, be a special it, night. It's going to happen. Hey, BYU hosts Gonzaga Thursday night. Uh, yeah. this week on ESPN. What what do you think of this year's version of BYU? A lot of young guys. And, yeah. and what would it take for this young team to upset number eight Gonzaga this week? Well, we're going to have to be able to score with them. That's for sure. Um, you know, they obviously, 
They're they're a great team. Obviously, Drew Timmy's still there. Uh, he's been there for a long time. He's, he's been there since your senior year, I think. I think, I think so. I, <laughs> I remember him being redshirt, I think, that year. So uh, he's been there forever, but he can score. Obviously, he's going to make the right play. He's going to do a lot of great things. We have some young guys that are really talented. For us, I think defensively, we're really good. Uh, we're long. We can play good defense. Um, I just think that we need to be able to score with them consistently, right? We can't go through a scoring drought where we're we're not scoring for three, four, five minutes. If that happens, you know, they're going to continue to score the basketball at a high level. And then it's uh, about trying to catch up and it's difficult to catch up with a team like that. So being able to make open shots, I think we get open shots. I don't, I don't mind the shots that we're getting. I think we're getting good shots just about making them and then uh, continuing to play hard and uh, feeding off the energy of the crowd. Obviously the, the Rock and BYU is, you know, the Marriott Center is going to be going nuts. Uh, so if they can feed off of that energy, get some easy easy buckets off of turnovers, make their open shots, and not have any scoring goals, I think they'll be in the game, and hopefully they can get a win. First time in three years that the Zags haven't been number one or number two yeah, coming into is, this. Hey, can yeah. you believe that, that has been, they've been that good for that right. long? One, one of our streamers asked what advice you would give, especially for these young guys. you got three return missionaries on this team, Richie Saunders and Dallin Hall, and uh, and Andy Toulson's son, Tanner yeah. Tanner, Tanner Toulson. Um, what advice would you give these young guys? And then there's some other young guys like Jackson Robinson's a, a young yeah. face that really hasn't played. There's so much young talent on this team. What what advice would you give to these guys as they develop and move into the Big Twelve? Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I love that they're playing. You know, like to be able to have guys that are freshmen, sophomores that are playing a lot of meaningful minutes um, is going to serve them so well moving forward in the next year, two, three years, because <clears throat> they'll have a camaraderie together. I was like when I was there, it was Jackson and I started ever since we were fre- our, uh, sophomores. So because of that, we had three years to grow together. So we knew exactly what we were going to do on the court. Right. We knew exactly what was going to happen. So I, same thing with with Dallin and Jackson um, and with Richie and these guys who are, are playing a lot of meaningful minutes. will know what each other is going to be doing on the court. So I, for them, I would just say stay the course. Um, you know, you're going to go through your bumps and bruises, but I always want to make sure that they are playing their game and they're being aggressive. Like I do not want them to be passive. Like they need to go out there and just be aggressive, act like they're the leaders of the team. Um, and go out there and play with with that type of energy, that type of effort, um, that type of confidence every single night because it's only going to get better if you do that. The confidence in yourself and your teammates are going to continue to grow and get better if you play that way ever since you're you know a freshman. So just have the confidence, be be yourself, play hard, and uh, you know make sure that you're putting out an effort, same effort every night. All right, Jimmer, we've been friends for a long time, so shoot straight with us. Will Jimmer Mania? Make it to the 2024 Paris Olympics in the three-on-three competition. Oh, I would, I would uh, like to believe that. Yes, you know, I, I'm planning on being there. My wife told me that I need to go there. Um, she wants to go on the trip. She wants <laughs> to make it out to Paris. So she's like, "You're making it to the Olympics." Uh, just so you know. So I'm like, "All right, perfect. I'll put, I'll put all I can into it." So I think we have a really, really good shot to be able to do that. And uh, I also, um, you know, I'm happy with how things are going. It's been a lot of fun. I, it's a, it's a different sport, but it's, it's re-energizing. It's re-energized me. I've really enjoyed it, working out for it, 
and uh, have a new goal in mind, which always is uh, a lot of fun for me to try to go out and reach. So I, I think we're going to make it as long as we, you know, play well this uh, this summer and uh, stay healthy. And then uh, from there, hopefully I'll be in 2024. Now you're you're going to play in the in the FIBA 3x3 World Tour this summer, right? And what's, what's yeah. that about? And can people see that? How can people see that? Yeah, everything is streamed live on YouTube. So you can just put in three on three, uh, FIBA three on three, and then they'll have an event that's going on that weekend. Now I'll probably play in six to eight events from April until November or December um, and help our team qualify and kind of just keep getting familiar with the sport, uh, you know, play against the competition that we'll be playing against in the Olympics. Um, like I said, these guys, a lot of these guys have been playing for, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Uh, so they know how to play and they're smart and they're good basketball players. And it's physical, big, strong guys. So you just have to kind of get used to all that stuff, all the elements that go with it and uh, then play your game. But all I know is that the two is worth a lot more than the one. And uh, <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to continue to shoot. Are you prepared for the resurgence of Jim Romania if you are going for a gold <laughs> oh, medal around be here? So fun. Uh, I would hope so. I would love it. I mean, obviously, I'd love people to watch and and uh, bring some more familiarity to the sport. I think it's going to continue to grow because it is an Olympic sport. There's going to be a lot of people that be like, hey, this is my shot to be able to get to the Olympics. This is going to be a really cool thing. So I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of that that'll happen. Um, but, you know, if Germania happens again in Paris, I would love it. I would love it. That's great stuff. Hey, by the way, we had um, Ashton Lunt who was the NCAA champ in the Javelin right. um, on with us. And she just missed, she, she's coming off an injury and she was really close to yeah. qualifying for the Olympics. And she goes, that's okay. I didn't want to go to China. Anyhow, I will be in the Paris Olympics. So we're, which I love, love her attitude, right? So I love we're, we're going to have Ashton's telling us she's going to be there. You're going to be, be there. there. We got, I think we have some other BYU yeah. folks that are oh, going to yeah. be there as well. So BYU is going to be well represented in the summer Olympics. Um, in Paris, that's going to be fun. Our final minutes yeah. with Jimmer, and, and Blaine's got five quick questions for you here that we do with all of our uh, guests that we're so fortunate to have come on, on the show with us. Uh, but before we get to that, how much joy has come from your efforts with the Jimmer Fredette Foundation? Yeah, that's been so special. Um, you know, the the people of Utah have been so gracious to myself and my family and being able to donate to help out with our foundation. Uh, you know, we've started a Choose Kindness program where we're in over, you know, 60 schools across the country, um, you know, helping kids promote and choose kindness and teaching them how to be kind and how to be inclusive, how to, how to treat people and uh, the skills that you need in order to continue to have a great foundation moving forward to just be, just be nice to people and be kind. And it's been a, a great program so far. Uh, we're continuing to grow uh, the, the Cook Center for Human Resources. They have been such a great partner for us to be able to help out with Greg Cook and his family who have been uh, amazing to our foundation and, uh, and all the other uh, great sponsors that we've had uh, throughout the years that we truly appreciate. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all about the kids. They enjoy it. They love our programs. And uh, it's, it's really helping with kids change their lives. And uh, it's the most important thing that I do, uh, you know, on a, on a daily basis. So it's, uh, it's something that's special and hopefully it continues to grow and we can help as many people as we can. Where can folks go to get more information to get involved with your foundation? Yeah, jimmerosity.org. You can go to or you can find us on Instagram or Twitter. Our handles are just jimmer, at jimmerosity. <laughs> so you can go in there, find out. Uh, more about it uh, we have links that you can click on to go to uh, our website and uh, get to our foundation president Blair 
and uh, you know, so we're happy to, to, to have anybody that wants to help reach out and talk with them. And we truly appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah, we just put the link up on our live stream so that people can see that and click on that and, and go out. And what an unbelievable message. The world needs that message right now. So this is awesome. We, we love what you're doing, what Whitney's doing. You guys are a, a light to the world. That's for sure. Are you ready? Well, I appreciate you ready to get after him with five questions? Oh yeah, of course. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do you, it. You're not leaving a lot of the issues. You just have to, it's like when you're in the zone, like you don't think yeah. about him. You just answer him. So just answer. got fav- it. Favorite sports movie. Rocky. Nice. Ooh, not Hoosiers. Not right. Ro- and not Rocky two. Rocky one. The Rocky. Original, the, Rocky. Original. the original Rocky. All right. Uh, have you ever it. have you ever run those steps up to the up up yes. in Philly? Oh yeah, me too. Stood up Absolutely. there and jumped around. Like did I you uh, did you shadow box when you got to the top? Be honest. Oh yes, of oh, course. Yeah, you I, have to, right? Oh yeah, I, I, I absolutely do. I love too. Rocky. I love Rocky so much. My wife has bought me like two or three different uh, Rocky sweatshirts that I wear to work out sometimes. <laughs> I love that. That's classic. I love it. So, okay, yep. your favorite singer or band? Ooh, right now, I'd say Panic at the Disco or Post Malone. One of those two. Ah. Hey, my like Gavin was showing me, uh, you know, Gavin, my youngest, he was he was showing me some old school post Malone stuff the other day. Like he was like, I'm going, that's post Malone? Before the tattoos. Before the tats and all the piercings. <laughs> but no, he yeah. was he was like singing a ballad. Dude is talented. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He's, he lives right here in he's Utah. He's actually he's extremely talented. He's also from upstate New York. That's right. Hey, have you seen this guy, Jimmer, Jelly Roll? Have you ever heard of I've Jelly heard Roll? I've heard of him. Heard of him. I, w- I want you to, like, later night, you and Whitney listen to Son of a Sinner by Jelly Roll. He, he's okay. He's got some ties to upstate New York, too. My nephew ran into him up in, up around uh, Syracuse, and he sent me a picture. I'm like, who's that guy? He goes, Jelly Roll. You got to listen to him. <laughs> I listen to him. I'm like, okay, this dude is good, and he reminds me of Post Malone a little bit. So All right, that's my, that my recommendation for the night is Son of a Sinner by Jelly Roll. So Panic <laughs> at the Disco I like. That's, that's a, a unique uh. one. And, and love then, him, Brendan Urie. He's got he's got a voice. He's got a voice. I'll yes. tell you that much. <laughs> so and and can't you can't miss with Post Malone. So okay, your favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, Reese's Puffs. Nice. Oh, Reese's Puffs. That's a new yeah. one. Do the Do the kids uh, wipe out your supply of Reese's Puffs if you if you don't get to them fast enough? I mean, they will for sure. We don't. I don't buy them often. I try to stay away from them because they're you know they're. I love them so much that I just eat them all the time. And uh, I didn't have them in my house growing up usually, but my friends used to have them at their mm-hmm. house. So as soon as I got to my friend's house, I was eating bowls of cereal. Sorry, Mom. Sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> no, I, get I was it. enjoying them. Dennis Pitta told us uh, that his cereal addiction, he doesn't get them either. I can't remember what it was, but he says if there's a box of it in his house, he eats he until it's eat gone. He eat the whole box. Yeah. That's what it's Dennis amazing. said. Yeah, for so, sure. I love chocolate, chocolate peanut butter anything is my, my thing. See, so. you go okay. to your friend's house when you're growing up in upstate New York and you do stuff like – I remember going to my friend's house and drinking Diet Coke because I thought it was really, really bad to do. <laughs> we never had Diet Coke in our house. And then I got out here to yeah. BYU and it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with Diet Coke. No. Like, when did that change? That's you were fine. on the East Coast. I, I covertly went and drank Diet Coke at the Fennell's house for years. I didn't even know there was nothing wrong with it. So. That's so funny. So, yeah, okay. You, you've made, you made 916 shots at BYU. That doesn't include free throws, of course. Do you have a favorite shot? Uh, my favorite shot would probably be the Utah one. Uh, that's just the most memorable, the one that I remember the most. Uh, just making it at half t- at half court, and then the reaction afterwards uh, is the thing that the people love the most. 
Um, so that was probably the most memorable one. Um, but what about your dunks? Yeah, you know the dunks were so weak that it's just I'm like, <laughs> no, Jim, I'm know, good. I don't know if, Jimmer's talking I don't know about. If I want to remember him. <laughs> leave him alone. He's talking about the shot that made him and me. I famous. know it, but he got some. He threw yeah, some exactly. down. Come on. I do remember the one. There's one uh, San Diego State game, too, where uh, the, when we were playing at home against San Diego State, and I had, a, like, a double crossover, and then I shot it. It was on a lot of lot of different uh, uh, yeah. a lot of different ESPN and uh, highlights and everything. It's shown a lot. That one was a fun one. And then there was last one against TCU where I pulled up from really deep. Uh, the kid wasn't guarding me. I was right next to their coach, and I shot it because the key wasn't guarding me, but it was, like, midway between half court. And uh, he looked over at the coach, and the coach just, like, shrugged. And he's like, you got to get on him. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, good. we talk we talk about now, you know, the Marriott logo out on the floor. And it's like, well, Jimmy used to shoot from the A. You we know, were, we like, reference. So, we got so geographical we, we, we references out there. We know where you would shoot from yeah, that absolutely. Marriott um, center logo out there. And we're like, no, no. You, like, please do not disgrace the name by saying that was Jimmer's own. Jimmer would shoot from the A, not from the T. Please. Right. Appreciate so, that. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, okay, and la- last one is very important. What's the favorite piece of advice that Whitney has ever given you? Oh. Get this she, right. Get this taught right. Me a, she's taught me a lot of different things, but the one thing that she has taught me, she's taught me two different things that I can think of right now that were really important. One is she's like, you got to talk to people. Stop being so shy. Like you, it's like you're talking to a wall sometimes when they're talking to you and uh, you need to open up and start talking to people. <clears throat> so I've gotten much more charismatic and, and much more open and talking to people um, as I've gotten older and, and, and gotten to be with Whitney. So that was one thing. And also don't procrastinate, like just get things done. Go like it makes you feel much better. Don't wait until the last minute. Like when someone says to do something, get it done right away. You won't have to worry about it. You won't have to think about it afterwards. And uh, that's been great advice for me too. So those two things have been have been huge. Words to live by, yep. right there. Yep. Don't poke, procrastinate. Hey, so. Danny Ainge is going to join us next week. Do you have a question you want us to ask him? Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, what is he going to do with the Jazz the rest of the season? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. What about the Jazz? I'm sure we'll jazz? get into that. Yeah. Oh no. my goodness! Uh, they, they've they've been such a good surprise, and they've been playing such good basketball. They have a lot of fun players on the team. Um, so he did a masterful job, obviously, with the two trades and getting all he has back and still being competitive. And, uh, and I think, I think the, the biggest thing that he did also was hiring uh, Will Hardy. I was with Will a little bit when I was in San Antonio, and the guy's just uh, – he's a stud. So he's, uh, he's a great coach and someone that's going to keep him competitive for a long time. I thought you might say, uh, hey, tell Danny the three-point line's way overrated. You know, yes. <laughs> we'll tell him that. I'll tell him that. Just I'll tell him that. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. So, hey, we man, sure appreciate we, you. We, we, we appreciate you. Please, please give our love to Whitney. And by the way, Grandpa Fowler, my dad um, would be yes. mad if I didn't give you a long distance hug and send one to Whitney from Grandpa Fowler. He loves you guys. Oh, they're the best. They're the best. I saw him before every game. Walked yep. right down the stairs, gave them both a hug, and walked down the stairs. Yeah, they love you guys. Hey, let Sorry. me let me finish with this quick story, and and uh, if if you've heard it before, it'll be just as cool. Um, uh, your senior year, my son Andrew and I came to a game. I was calling the game, and you were warming up, and and I brought him with me, and and introduced him to you, and you talked to him for a couple of minutes, and and then the game went on, and it was crazy, and all that. And then we're walking out after the game with Elder 
L. Tom Perry of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And we're visiting, and he finds out that Andrew's about to become a deacon, about to turn 12. And so they have a little PPI right there on the sidewalk. And I walked ahead, <laughs> got in the car. I thought, man, this is crazy. And, and so Andrew finally comes. He runs. He jumps in the front seat. And I'm sitting there, and it's kind of quiet. You know, as the dad, you're like, I said, well, you've had quite a night. And uh, he goes, I have. I can't believe I met Jimmer. <laughs> and, uh, and as hilarious. a dad, you're like, well, you, yeah, yeah. you did also meet a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, and he <laughs> talked to you face-to-face, and he goes, yeah, that was cool, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That's so, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, Elder Perry actually used to come into the locker room every once in a while after the games. He was he was incredible. He's such a good guy, but just very funny. Like, he was he was a jokes, he was a jokester. He'd crack a joke at everyone's, everyone's locker when he would shake their hand. And big guy, too. Yeah, he's yeah. a big guy. Oh, yeah. 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 Hey, the there, there was a lot of tall members of the 12 back in those days. There, um, Elder Perry told us a story one time. You know how they sit in that front row right behind where Dave and I are when we're calling the games? Yeah. And he was saying um, BYU was playing uh, Notre Dame at home. And this was when Devin was playing. And Devin, yeah. Devin, went, um, Devin went down and scored. And as he turned to circle back and run down and play defense, one of their, their, their power forward put his forearm right in Devin's face and knocked him flat on the ground. Gotcha. No call. No call. <laughs> so, but the cameras kind of panned down, and, and, and the and coach was yelling at the official, and you could see this large white-haired man <laughs> stand up right in the middle of the camera and scream at the ref, and you could, you could read his lips, and he said, what is wrong with you, ref? Are you blind? And then, then you saw a small hand go up on his shoulder and sit him back down. And, and he, he told us, yeah, I, ha- I had to settle down because I don't know if you saw, but I, I made television pretty much front and center, and my wife had to grab me on the shoulder and sit me back down. And I'm uh, trying to be better at the games. But he, yeah, he, asked, the, he will- asked the ref if he was blind, which I appreciate so much that he did hey. that. Sports will do that to all of us. That's that's important. We're all human. Sports will do that to all of us. Yes, it will. So. Well, Jimmy, you did great things with the basketball, but but the kind of person you are and how you represent the Y is is, is your legacy, and that's why when you walk into the Marriott Center, everyone's just so stoked to see you, or in an airport, or in Tel Aviv, or or wherever. And and uh, we salute you for that. And we look forward to seeing you the next time. And, and we're you're so, out here. So grateful you'd spend an hour with us. And and uh, we hope the hour felt like the seventy five points. You look back and it didn't feel like it was an hour. But absolutely, I was in the zone the whole time. But I love it. No, I appreciate you guys. I love I love listening to you guys. You guys are great. You guys are two of the best on the calls. I I always often find myself when you guys are making a call, being like, ah, oh, I was thinking that exact same thing. So I feel like we're on the same way. Like you guys are awesome. So keep. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. What you guys are doing for BYU and for sports. And uh, I hope to be able to do this again with you guys. Thanks, Thank Jimmer. You, Jimmer. We appreciate it very much. The great Absolutely. Jimmer for that. Give our best to Wesley Taft and Grayson. In fact, you can go tell him how great you were since we just spent the last hour talking about it. Absolutely. Uh, I, think that, I think story. I can hear them listening to it in the other room. So uh, awesome. I don't know if they, they were fully listening, but they had it on. If they were listening, <laughs> I, I hope they heard how awesome their mom is too because yeah, she say is hi to amazing. Whitney. So thanks, Jimmer. Hey, thanks, guys. See you guys. See you, Jimmer. What a visit with Jimmer Fredette, uh, one of the most, uh, what, how can we say this, impactful player in the history of BYU. And there have been some great ones. And you think of Kresh Machosich and you think of Danny Ainge and, and in these eras. Um, and, and Jimmer Fredette came along, and we saw some comments on our live stream that there was just nothing more exciting than 
than what Jimmer brought to the floor, especially during that junior and senior year. We just hadn't seen anything like it. The Mountain West hadn't seen anything like it. And, and the way college basketball reacted, they hadn't seen anything like it. And I remember seeing his picture on the front page of Sports Illustrated after he, after he lit up Gonzaga, and it was, uh, it was the big time from right here in Provo. And, and you know, it, it put BYU on the national map and, and national spotlight again. And they had been in years past, but it put BYU back squarely in, in the national radar. Um, and those those battles that Jimmer and Kawhi had yeah. with BYU and San Diego State were as good as any basketball games in the country at that time. And, and eyeballs were glued to their TV sets when they met three times that season. Um, you know, two times in the regular season and in the finals of the, of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And to, to have those two caliber of players in the Mountain West at that time playing the way they were playing. And, and Jimmer changed basketball. He changed college basketball. People wanted to be Jimmer. They wanted to shoot from long distance. You know, and, and we noticed back then, and, and we were talking about the other day uh, as we were getting ready for a game, um, the fan reaction changed to where now fans are just as loud to see a three-point shot as a dunk. Usually yeah. the dunkers were rewarded with the big thunderous roar. But now if you see a transition three where someone's driving at full speed and like Jimmer used to do and just all of a sudden he's up for three and buries it, bananas, that's replaced the slam dunk. Yeah, so what do little kids want to do? They want to back up. Yeah, and unfortunately, they skip the free throw line, and they just want to back up yeah, further. Yeah, the problem is that they work on dunks off the mini tramp, and they work on their three point <laughs> shot. But nobody has a mid range game anymore, like our boy Tyler Hawes. Yeah, right? nobody has that anymore. But and what a great ambassador for basketball all over the, all over the world. Like what he did in China, he was like like one of the most famous people in the country mm -hmm. in China. And you know his, his career there was cut short a little bit by the pandemic because things shut down and. Yeah. And, uh, but he did phenomenal things over there and represented BYU and the church extremely well in that country. And our podcast will be up tomorrow morning and, uh, and, and look for our emails too. If you go to ysguys.com, sign up for that and you'll get clips from our Jimmer interview. And this one's going to have some legs. It was fun to walk through all the, oh, so fun. the, the Jimmer mania and get his take on what a coach said to him and what he felt and what meant what what this moment meant to him that um, we, we often gets lost in the noise of of just greatness. Well, and and, here, and here's something I want pe people to remember because you and I got we had a front row seat with Jimmer and we've been friends for a long time. And we got to watch him up close during his career along with Tyler Hawes and all these greats that have played. We've been right there with yeah. him. And Jimmer is this. It's funny that he says that Whitney told him to be more approachable because I felt like he's always been just really gracious and really kind and really easy to talk to and and but. You know, and he always looks like he's having fun out there when he's playing. He loves pulling up and shooting a three-pointer right in somebody's face, right? Always looks like he's having fun. But the volume of work that he put in to be as proficient as he is at shooting the basketball is unbelievable. People don't have any concept of how much work he had to put in to, to craft his game to be able to play the way he did. And isn't that the underlying thing to greatness? Look at Larry Bird. Michael Jordan. Every one of them. Every it, one they, of them. None of them skipped the work to no. be great. The, the work, there's got to be skill there. They have to have a talent. Yeah. But, but talent without just ridiculous work ethic and repetitive shots in basketball, it doesn't translate. And, and we watched him work from the time he came on campus, and, and it extended back to when he was in high school. You know, we heard Tyler Hawes tell us he never had a day that he didn't get 100 free throws up, mm. you know. Jimmer told us the same thing. Oh, no, I wouldn't go off the floor without making 100 free throws, ever. And I tried to make 100 in a row. 
And then you wonder why he steps up in a game. And then he says something that why was really... Why money in crunch time? Yeah. He said something really interesting that a lot of players could learn from. He said, I never worked out at more than full game speed. Because if you're not working out at game speed, so you're not running up and down the floor and sweating and just as tired as you're going to be in the game, then in the game, your shot has a different elevation. You're not getting quite as much elevation. You're doing... Like, it, it doesn't translate out on the floor. So he always made sure when he was doing a workout, a shooting workout that he did it at full speed and game speed so that when he got in the game, it translated to the game. That's a, that's a phenomenal lesson for, for young players to, to learn from, that that's what that he did. And yeah. um, he was a fierce, fierce competitor and an unbelievable worker. I remember before the New Mexico game, down there where he had the 52, he went and he shot, let me think of this, one, two, three, four, five. So he shot five spots, five threes at each spot so um so 25 threes and he had somebody rebounding and just shoot and putting the ball out this was in warm-ups when he just came out early to shoot before the mexico game he went around he made 24 out of 25 threes in that little workout and i remember turning to my play-by-play guy going okay this this could be something special tonight because i just watched jimmer make 24 out of 25 threes (laughs) people just don't do that and then he went off in that game but that the reward for hard work is that you're great out on the floor. And that's and, and people need to realize that all these guys that we get a chance to talk to, we talk Tyler Hawes, we talk Ashton Lunt, Mark Wilson, Mark Wilson all Robbie these folks, Bosco, what, any of them. Any of these, any of these folks th- that we've talked to. Um, and we're going to talk to Danny Ainge next week. And Danny had the same reputation, just an incredible work ethic. That kind of goes unnoticed sometimes because it's behind the scenes, but that's what it takes to be great. I liked what he said about uh, the 2024 Paris Olympics. Can you imagine uh, if Jimmer becomes an Olympic story? Oh, my gosh. Not just uh, Jimmer and all the, all the background that they'll do leading the games, but then Jimmer becomes an Olympic story and, and has a shot at a gold medal, and, and Cougar Nation will be out of their minds. If, if, he, if he gets to the Olympics in three-on-three, I might let Brenda convince me to go to Paris. Because she always likes to go to Paris. So, like, if she says, let's go to Paris for the Olympics. That'll be a hot I, ticket if, if, I uh, might if Jimmer's just, I there. might figure out a way to get over there if Jimmer's there. Some so. more basketball news now that Jimmer set the tone for, I thought he had, was interesting, spot on with the keys for Thursday night. Oh, man, yeah. Against Gonzaga. The basketball team beat San Diego 68-48 Saturday after losing at LMU last Thursday. So now they're 13-6, and six and they're, Two and three and one in the WCC. I thought it was impressive. Their bench outscored San Diego twenty nine to nothing. Yeah, that was big. And Atiki started producing yeah. uh, in double he's figures. Starting to, he's starting to get to feel his offense. Right, he has twelve points in that one. We've seen his offensive game. Like we're we're, we're Atiki Ali Atiki was last year compared to where he is this year with offensive skill set is just so night and day. Foose had fifteen in that game, but. When Atiki goes 12 and Foose goes 15, that, that's a big deal for BYU. So Thursday night, number eight Gonzaga at the Marriott Center. As we mentioned earlier, it is sold out. Game starts at 9.30 Eastern time, 7.30 Mountain on ESPN and BYU Radio. The Zags come in 14-3, and 3-0 in the league. Last Thursday, though, there's, there's an interesting Zag team. I mean, they're good. Let's not take that. But, but they're not Invincible. what they've been. Um they win at San Francisco Thursday, 77 to 75. And Saturday, they win at Santa Clara, 81 76. They come from behind in both those games. Those are good road wins. 
You know, any team that's going to win those two games, those are good road wins in this league. But they didn't come easy for the Zags. And now the toughest venue in the WCC is a full Marriott Center, which will be greeting them Thursday. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, I think San Francisco is really, really good this year. Maybe underrated. Um, and but they yeah, had I don't every- get them. I don't get them because uh, Pacific or LMU went over there and beat them by 20. <laughs> Or rallied from 20 down, and I it's, think it was Pacific. It's a team that if they're hot, if Shabazz is hot, you can't. Like, he gets hot. He gets in that zone that Jim was talking about. Yeah. You can't stop him. No matter what you do, you try to double him. He splits a double team and shoots a three, you know. And so, right. um, so they're a little bit hot and cold, but they're scary. Like, they're scary, and they're long and athletic. Um, Santa Clara has been been really solid, you know, last year and again this yeah. year. You know, it, it, preseason, we were all just thinking, hey, it's the same old thing. It's Gonzaga. It's uh, it's St. Mary's, and they're currently tied for first, for, right? And then and then it's BYU, San Francisco, in in either order, right? Yeah. And then Santa Clara. So so Gonzaga did get on the road, but but to your point, those are teams that even if you're they're the second or third or fourth best team in the league, Gonzaga goes on the road and crushes people. Yeah, and so and, there's and they, I they think there's an a, opening, a little vulnerable compared to years past. Yeah, they only feel like a top ten team, not a top two team. <laughs> and that's you know what? There's a big difference between number one. And number ten, yeah. Let, well, hey, let's talk about the last the last three meetings in Provo, right? Um, it's two and one for the Zags. Last year they were number two, so they don't feel like a number two right now. They feel and like, they played like number one that day. They feel like a number eight, which they are, right? But so they won they, last year ninety yeah, to fifty seven. Ninety to fifty seven. That, that was they, a, they, they just overwhelmed BYU. Um, in twenty twenty one, Gonzaga was number one, and they come in eighty two seventy one. They were number one, one in the country, and BYU played them really, really well. So I, I expect to be more like that. And then in 20 was the big one. Uh, the Zags are number two, and BYU beats them 91-78. Place goes bananas. Yeah, and it, the place was nuts. Do you? I, I, it was just total it, nuts. It was one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen in college basketball. Yeah, we just it sat and watched nuts. it all. Uh, the fans stormed the floor. Absolutely nuts. And you know what? That could happen Thursday night. Well, it, hey, the, if the team, if BYU's team shows up that can knock down 19 threes, like they did. What game was that you and I called where they knocked down 19 threes? Whatever game that was where they knocked down 19 threes. Feels you, like a long time ago, yeah, but it, it was spectacular. But, but that team can beat anybody. Yeah. Right, when they're shooting a conflict. I like what Jim Mercedes says. They guys, they need to not be shy. It was against Westminster up at Vivid. Yeah. Those guys need to not be shy. Yeah. They need to shoot the basketball. They're going to develop and grow together, and they're going to be better for it. So they need to just shoot it. They got nothing to lose against Gonzaga, mm-hmm. and... And if they go knock down 19 threes, they're going to be in this ballgame. Saturday night, we're back on the call. Pepperdine at BYU on BYU TV. That's at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain with game day. Full pregame show for an hour. That starts at 8 Eastern. Also on BYU TV. We mentioned the Zags and St. Mary's 3-0. and BYU and Pacific are next at 3-1. and The Cougars beat the Tigers a couple of weeks ago. This is a – if you can win Thursday – and then you're expected to win Saturday, but with this team, it's an adventure, so who knows? Right, who knows? But if you can win Thursday, all of a sudden, you are in play for um, a special season, considering the team was 5-5 five and five not long ago. But they've been, I mean, the one loss, um, which which was kind of unexpected, um, kind of in this last run. They just got pushed around by LMU at the yeah, end. Yeah, which was surprising yeah. that they couldn't finish. Um but but outside of that, they've been pretty solid, and it seems like they're understanding their role. So who knows what to expect against this Gonzaga team? These Zags are, hey, we we, we make fun of them, but because they only feel like a top ten team, because they usually feel like a top two team, right? And yeah. that that tells you how much respect we actually have for that 
we actually have for that basketball program. And Jimmer expressed that, too, in yeah, his, with, in his what, comments what about it. Yeah, does. So, hey, in the WCC, as you mentioned, Gonzaga and St. Mary's are tied with 3-0. Yeah. So um, a win would put BYU right there, right there. Tied, tied for second. So. Now, what we do know is the Big 12's loaded. Right. And the, the new poll is out, and we've thrown in the new – we call it the new Big 12 because we're going to include Houston. Right. But here's the top 25 for the league BYU is about to join. Houston's number one. Kansas is number two. Texas is number 10. Kansas State's number 11. Iowa State's number 14. TCU's number 17. And Baylor's number 26, just right. outside the poll. So, yeah, and, that's and half by, the league. And, and by the way, like we're all going to – especially after last night – Yep, the SEC is the best conference in football, yeah. which I don't know that there was ever any doubt. But the separation... The Big Ten likes to think it is, but it's not. The separation between Georgia and everybody else actually is ridiculous at this point. Like, the only one that really... And Ohio State did a pretty good job against them the week before, but they turned the ball over, remember? And, yeah. I, you know, I, I would think that in, in 10 matchups, Georgia would beat Ohio State 10 times. 65-7, to seven, though, is yeah, stunning. Three, three turnovers for TCU, which I wanted TCU to represent the Big 12 a little bit better. And but you can't turn it over against those guys. No. TCU hasn't had a stellar defense all year. They've just been outscoring people. But you turn it over three times, the wheels come off. We've all been there. Some uh, folks and, were saying today that they they gave BYU hope for you know what? Think we're going to go compete in that conference against that kind of a defense? Well, we better we better be able to score. <laughs> That's all I have to say. But um, but in basketball, it's a whole different story. Yeah, the SEC is not the best basketball uh-huh. conference. The Big Twelve is, and and the number one and number two teams in the country are in BYU's conference in basketball um, right now with Houston and Kansas. It's going to be awesome and scary, like like Mark Pope likes to say, awesome and terrifying. It's it's all all at the same time. (laughs) Women's hoops. BYU beat San Diego on Saturday, 63-49. to I went over and watched that game. It was an afternoon game, and I've got a column coming out tomorrow in the Deseret News on Lauren Gustin. Watched her score 21 points and pull down 24 rebounds, which tied a Marriott Center record, tying the record of Tina Gunn. Set back in 1978. That's before both of us came to BYU. Yeah, well, um, um, Mike Z, just me, who who is our, one of our streamers, he said, I liked how Lauren Gustin rebounded more than the whole other team. Yeah, 24 <laughs> to 23. He says, I wonder how long it will take Lauren to break the single-season rebounding record. Well, she's on track. She is on track. She Cougars is now 8-8. Eight eight. It's taken them a while, but 8-8, uh, eight and 3-2 eight, and two in the league. Um they're on the road this week, Thursday at LMU, Saturday at Pepperdine. Those are both on the uh, WCC network. They're back home Saturday, January 21st against Santa Clara on BYU TV. So they're in a stretch of games. Portland and Gonzaga are the, the two best teams in the right. league. They played them first. Uh, so they're in a stretch of games where, um, you know, they can go toe-to-toe and scratch out some wins in this first year. Um for the new coach, and and all of a sudden you you're building on something. The recruiting class is sensational coming in. Yeah, I, I feel I feel it's unfortunate that BYU had to play Gonzaga and Portland, who are the like you said the kind of the cream of the crop in the league early, because this is so many new faces that um, I'm not sure everybody knew their roles at that point yet, right. and I feel like they're starting to round out now. It would have been nice to play them a little later, but hey, it's out of the way. And the, both those teams come home to right. Provo. They got to come to Provo. They get a shot and at not the, And that's a great point, Dave. Not only did they play the two best teams in the league, they played them on the road to start the season. Yeah. Which, which is tough for a young team trying to find itself. Yeah, thanks, so. thanks WCC, yeah, for that one. Yeah, exactly. So, um, hey, men's volleyball. Um, opening weekend sweep to start the season. How about that? Is that good? Is That's that's wise guys' good karma. Yeah, you know, Sports Nation usually. Uh, does do the karma, yeah, but, but she, we we gave and a little Sean bit. Sean was so awesome on the show with us this last week. So and they're up to number thirteen in the polls. Yeah, they they defeated McKendry. They swept him. 
on Friday, 3-0. And then they defeated Lewis, who's always right up there mm-hmm. in the national rankings. They, they defeat Lewis 3-1. Um, they had 3,259 people there. That was school not in session. People love volleyball at the Smith Fieldhouse. It's so fun, and it's such a great environment. So um, up next, Farley Dickinson at BYU. This Friday through Saturday, January 20th and 21st, that's at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain, all on BYU TV. Women's Gymnastics, they're number 22 in the country, uh, finished fourth at the Super 16 Las Vegas meet. They are up next at the Best of Utah meet. That's at the Maverick Center uh, up in West Valley City, I want to say, or is it Sandy? Or I th- No, I think it's in West Valley. Is it West Valley? Yeah. Um, Friday night, nine Eastern, seven Mountain. That's live on BYU TV. It's it's you so get University on the, you get of Utah, on the all the four schools, and and right when you pass the brand new temple on the left side, it's on the right side. Yeah, wherever that is, that's yeah. where it, I've driven by it a million times. But that's on uh, BYU TV Friday night. Do you think in our lifetimes will the BYU women's gymnastics team beat Utah's gymnastics team? I heard Utah's really good again this year. And they're always good. Well, no, they're always good, but. They haven't been national championship caliber the last couple of years, but I heard they're national championship caliber this year. So an upset Friday night, that would be something. That would be huge. So Something. So we'll, that's something to so watch. So which would be bigger, BYU Gymnastic beating Utah this weekend or BYU beating Gonzaga Thursday night in basketball? Which is bigger? What about, hey, you, you folks that are on with us, Dr. Ketch and all you, Mike Z, just me, all of you, which, which, which is a bigger upset? BYU beats Gonzaga in basketball Thursday night? Or BYU's women's or, or BYU gymnastics beats Utah gymnastics this weekend. In Historically, I think it would be gymnastics, fan yeah. base, and all that stuff. It's it's ESPN Thursday night. Doctor twenty two thousand or twenty thousand fans. Yeah, Doctor Ketch says bigger basketball. Yeah, it will get more. It will get more play. But I'm asking which is the bigger, bigger upset. upset. I think I think it's gymnastics. And so the, the Coog dude says gymnastics because it's the team up north. <laughs> <laughs> that would say the same thing for foos, like, foosball like and debate. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, let's see here. Rest. Uh, let's see. Okay. No. Well, you guys can weigh in on that. I I think the gymnastics might be a bigger upset, but the basketball would get more run. So. Next week, Danny Ainge and Brian Santiago, the deputy athletic director, is going to be with us. We had a lot of questions for him as they have managed through and. He, you know, the, the schedules for the Olympic sports in the Big 12, they have those. They just haven't released them. Uh, it's the football, basketball, and women's basketball, that uh, men's basketball, women's basketball that we've yet to see. And yep. we got a lot of questions for Brian. So uh, those, two, two, those two guys are sitting next to each other about every basketball game. Yeah, oh, uh, absolutely. Danny Ainge and Brian Santiago. And then Chris Hoke we're working on for the following week. Right. Two-time Super Bowl champion. BYU Cougar, and that's, Pittsburgh that, Steeler. I've got some fun stories about Chris, about the conversations he and I would have in every offseason. I'm just going to pref- uh, kind of give you a preview, and this is, we talk about how hard Jimmer and Tyler and all these guys work. Chris Hoke is a whole other level. Like, it's unbelievable the way he prepared himself and, and the way he thought to get himself ready to play season after season to be a starter on that Pittsburgh Steelers D-line. So we're efforting with Chris Hoke and with Jay Hill. So we look forward to, right, love to, get Jay to that on the, on the 24th. Um, the NFL playoffs start this weekend, and there's some Cougars in the playoffs. Let's run down the list as they chase the uh, ultimate championship. Yeah, how about the Seahawks at the 49ers? we got Fred Warner, uh, 430 Eastern on Fox. 
You know, the, the 49ers should be able to win that game on defense alone, but things get a little weird because they've got a brand-new quarterback who has never played in the playoffs. Do you know who should be playing quarterback for the 49ers? Uh, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yeah. Why could he not be the third pick instead of the second? Yeah, why, why did he have to look so spectacular at Pro Day when uh, the 49ers and the Jets were both here? Yeah. Hey, LJP says both would be great triumphs. Yes, they would. Yes, they would. And then and then uh, Mike, as he just me, says, I would prefer both, but I'm more interested in basketball. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so, okay. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis, and the Chargers, they play the Jaguars on Saturday nights on NBC. They got a chance to to win that one in advance. I the, would expect them to win that game. The Jaguars. Jaguars. That's how they said it in the um, Winnie the Pooh episode, the Jaguars. <laughs> Okay, how about Sunday? If Van Noy gets his third Super Bowl oh, ring, that, that, he's be, going next level. It'd be, it'd be pretty awesome. Um, and he represents BYU well. Yeah, we're going to get him on. And then once we get to the offseason, yeah, these guys the will be on the show. We'll bring some of these NFL guys in with us. Sunday, the Giants at the Vikings. Um, Kyrus Tonga, how about that? Received the game ball after Sunday's win because of his play on that D-line. What a great story, rags to riches. And he just kind of... He just kind of snuck into the scene with Minnesota off the waiver wire so, or whatever. And, and he's been so dominating inside. And, it, and head coach gave him the ball and gave him a big hug, and we're like, good yep. for Kyrus. That's at 4.30 Eastern on Fox as well on Sunday. Now, they should win that game. You know, I'm not t- putting much faith in the Giants, although the Vikings have been in some weird, weird games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but hopefully... Uh, hey, how did, how did you end up on your fantasy? I never did here. Took fourth place. Took fourth. Go ahead. Ask me. How'd you do? I won the championship. You won the championship? Yep. I do, ran into some. you know some, why? You know I what? never would have won the championship if Christian McCaffrey didn't get traded to the Niners. <laughs> because he wasn't producing back in, in Charlotte. Here's where I ran in into trouble. Well, a lot of us ran into trouble when the Bills-Bengals game was canceled. Yeah, that hurt a lot of people. I know. I had a lot didn't, of... Didn't impact uh, my championship. I had a kicker but, that needed to get some things done in that game. Yeah. No, I won the championship. And so, so. But well, I, congratulations. I, I have to give a public thanks to my two grandsons. Um, Why, they put your roster in? No, no, they would call me every week and they go, Hey, Papa, do you know that your quarterback has a bye this week? You need to change your <laughs> roster. And I'd be like, Oh, Bo, so, thanks. So, 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 so Bo, your team of advisors. Bo, Bo Fry, my, my daughter's um, son, and, and, and then uh, Bradley Fowler, uh, my son's son. So um, that's why one's a Fowler and one's a Fry. Hey, it's Blair and Nicole's son. Gotcha. And, and it's Landon and Courtney's son. Gotcha. They have advised me, and I feel like I have to share my winnings with them. Because, I think you should. Because really it was like share I Share it in the pops. Pay them off in popsicles. It's, I feel like it was a general manager and director of player personnel for my team, even though they were in the league. And they would call me every <laughs> week. Hey, hey, Papa, your quarterback is hurt. I'm like, oh, crap. That wouldn't be good, would it? No. no. You need, hey, let me help you walk you through how you pick up a new quarterback. So That's nice. I owe him everything. I already announced to, to my family that uh, Vegas has picked me to win next year. Nice. So we'll see. Are you a 200 to 1? Or are you a- <laughs> I don't know. This yeah. week this week in history, January 10th through the 16th, a lot of things went down this week. And we're going to wrap up the show here. Maybe we just might do it a couple minutes earlier yeah, than no, normal. No, nothing wrong with that. So. This week in history, we go back to 1861. Florida and Alabama of the SEC uh, secede from the Union leading up to the Civil War. Not the universities, but the states. (laughs) Right. So, uh, from the Union, actually. 1863, the first underground underground railway opens in London. Now, let's think about that for a sec. So, they've decided they're going to dig a tunnel and put a train in there. And And they're saying, Blaine, it's safe. Why don't you go ahead? So... 
Yeah, and I don't know if I'm. Why don't you go ahead and take that ride? So I've taken the subway in London before. It's what is it called there? The tube. The tube. They call it the tube. But it's it's been tested. And they always say when you're going to step off and the door opens, it always says, "Mind the gap." And I was like, "What are they talking about?" And Brenda says, "That's how they say it in England. Like, watch your step in the gap between the subway and the." So always. You get that advice every time you step out of the subway. Mind the gap Mind the in gap. London. So, 1911 this week, the first photo in the U.S. is taken from an airplane. I imagine it was just a bunch of white fluffy clouds. <laughs> but that know. was, someone got a camera and they took a picture while up on a plane for the first time. In 1945, RCA introduces the 45 record. Remember that? Yeah. that song and then you flip the side yep. just a small, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big lp you flip the other on, side and you find that paul mccartney's dead or whatever was, was the big one 33 yeah. so 33 so this is 45 45s yep a 1958 this week great balls of fire went number one in the united kingdom with jerry lee lewis pretty awesome we all know the words to that that's a, the power of that song that's right 1964 the government acknowledges for the first time in an official report that cigarettes may be hazardous to your health you know, I don't know what enlightened everybody 1964. in 1964. Maybe it was the Beatles coming. I don't know. But it took them that long to go, hey, you know what? That breathing smoke into your lungs and then holding it there and then breathing it out might not be good for but, you. And let me tell you something. I, I don't want to, like, we've been talking a lot about Europe tonight, right? And we, we've been to Europe quite a bit. And um, they didn't get the message over there, just in case you were wondering. They didn't get the message in Europe. Everybody still smokes over there. What's going on? When I was at the Olympics in Russia... I w- it blew my mind. It's like they didn't get the it message. Just, that's just, and they just smoke everywhere. You know, it's yeah. like it's there's no EPA over I, there. I feel like we went back 20 years when you go over there, right? Yeah, so that's just how it goes. 1982, the catch. Remember Dwight Clark's touchdown with 58 seconds remaining to lift the 49ers over the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL championship. As a game. Cowboy fan, I was bummed out. Oh, really? How would Dwight Clark go Montana up and get that ball? It's like. And they almost had Magic. Montana sacked. I know. And then he, he chucked he it up there. He double-clutched and got it in there, the catch. 1984, how about this one? It's the first time America heard the TV ad and the uh, older lady say, where's the beef with what Wendy's? Her, what was her name? What was, what was her name? Was I can't it Clara? remember. It might have been. Well, where's, where's the beef? Where's the beef? <laughs> and they're making fun of McDonald's and all the others saying the burgers were too small. Right. They're like, and Wendy's was going to give you this big square burger, right? That's so what where's the beef? On this week, 1984. Okay, 1984. Also in 1984, Harmon Killebrew was elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame. I remember reading a book about him growing yeah. up. What a, what a life. My dad used to talk, about, talk to me about Harmon Killebrew. 1999 this week, The Sopranos debuted on HBO. Kind of reshaped uh, mafia TV movies. For well, a while. There's been a lot ever since. All kinds of series. So, how about birthdays this week? Alexander Hamilton, seventeen twenty-five. This week, Alexander Hamilton. Have you? You still haven't seen the musical Hamilton? No. I just broke you into musicals when I took you to Moulin Rouge. Now you got to see Hamilton. Yeah, y'all yeah, see. If it, it comes, we're, Brendan and I are taking you and Diane. Right. Okay. Okay. So, uh, 1737, John Hancock. I imagine it's not going to be as entertaining as Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge was awesome. Hamilton's pretty good, too. It was good. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the John Hancock signature guy. Yeah, so we got got John Hancock, Alexander (laughs) Hamilton. We were all kinds of colonial, you know, How about 1741 this week? Benedict Arnold. Yeah, turncoat. (laughs) So The name Benedict would, would never be... Except the... What are you, some uh, kind of Benedict, Benedict Arnold? If you're a traitor, you're yeah, just a you're Benedict, Benedict Arnold. All of a sudden, your name's used for all that. The um, What's his name from the Marvel movies? 
Bember, Benedict, is it Cumberbatch? Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. That's right. He's the, um, what is he? Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, which That's I never, right. I didn't get, I don't get that character, but anyhow. <laughs> um, 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. 1945, Rod Stewart. 1949, George Foreman. I was at the MGM watching Foreman lose to Michael Moore for most of the fight until it was like the 10th or 11th round. And then Foreman hit Moore with like what looked like a slow motion combination, knocked him out, and Foreman became the oldest heavyweight champion in boxing history. Just, and that's right when he was selling his grills. Remember yeah, the Foreman I remember grill? for the George Foreman He had grill. all kinds of things going on. Yeah. Like, he never asked, where's the beef? No, he was so, the beef. Yeah. So, Pat Benatar, 1953. I saw rocker. her in concert uh, at the Thomas & Mack in Vegas with Ario Speedwagon. Uh, instead of playing stadiums, they now playing, you know, right. 8,000 people. She was fantastic. She And she can still hit all the notes. And I was, because I kind of went to see Ario Speedwagon and then Pat Benatar, but when Pat Benatar came out, she just stole the show. Yeah, she's she's so, great. Some talent, of those artists rocker. that that are that can hit the notes when they're 20, 30, 40 and beyond, you're like, "Hey, yep. more power to yep. you." Yep. Absolutely special to keep your especially back in those days, those rockers were maybe not the great lifestyle to keep your vocal cords in no. great shape, right? So No, not at all. Uh, you, you know who can still sing great? The Ario Speedwagon guy. Yeah. Like Kevin, he can Kevin still Curlin. bring it. Yeah, he can still bring it. He he uh and the Sticks guys, they're they're coming back yeah. on tour. Yeah. Foreigner guys, the classic guys, uh, you know, even A C D C's guy who screams, he can still scream. Yeah. Well, that's not that hard. Yeah, but it's hard to do for two hours. It is, it is, it is. So, <laughs> Anga, you have Angus I, Young DJ's to help you out. DJ's laughing over there because he knows they always make fun of AC. DJ, DC, he just wants Dave, to play some techno. I actually pop. respect him, but it's, this it's thing Dave's up. band. Uh, all right, so our tradition throughout this coming season uh, year is our we're going to close with the Wise Guys Inspirational Thought of the Week. Um, we did Lavelle Edwards quotes last year in our debut year, mm-hmm. and now we've moved to Inspirational Thoughts of the Week because you know what that does? That gives us a better pool to draw from because right. we used just about every quote Lavelle ever said we, we've used over the last year. And so there's so many good ones, and we'll always try to have one that kind of leaves you feeling pretty good so here's here's this week's inspirational thought of the week yeah and i love that it's by dr seuss because you know i love dr i seuss. do i do know you love dave, dr. dave seuss. knows that i quote dr seuss when we're trying to warm up when we're going to call a live game i'm always like three thousand feet up up to the top of mount crumpity rose with his load to the tip top to dump it poo poo to the who's he was grinchously humming they're finding out now that no christmas is coming yeah and that's how we and warm he's up. just getting started that's how we warm up that's so how- um, that's how more. you warm up, and then I laugh. And that's the, how and Dave we warm laughs, up. and then he warms up his vocal cords by laughing. So, <laughs> all okay. right, here's the inspirational Doc, thought. The inspirational of the thought from Doctor Seuss: When one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one that has been opened for us. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, we, we're so focused on how we got ripped off that we don't look disappointed to the new opportunity in front of us. Yeah. That's a great bit of advice right So let's there. think about look that. Look for the open door. I thought Jimmer had some good advice too. We sure appreciate uh, him coming on the show tonight. Next week, Danny Ainge and uh, and Brian Santiago, Deputy Athletic Director. Yeah. And we'll have a fun show next week. Podcast will be up tomorrow and you can listen to Jimmer uh, as often as you want. Uh, Twitch and YouTube, YSGuys.com. And then, um, and then our email will be out later in the week with highlights from the yep. show. Hey, and essays telling us, don't forget Elvis was born January 8th, 1935. That's good to know. That would have been great to know for last yeah, week's show. That would have been good for last week. But, but thank you. But, hey, you can never forget Elvis. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, there's only a few artists that can just go with the one name. Yeah. Elvis. Michael. Cher. Yeah. Cher. And, but Michael, is it Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan? I think it's Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think yeah. you need Jackson on there. Um, Jimmer. You say Jimmer, everyone knows the last name? Yep. Uh, what, are, what are some of the one-namers? Um, there's not that many. No. No. Wait, what's the what's the great singer? Madonna. Yep. Madonna. Th- th- thanks for that. That Linda... Linda Murray Thanks, hit Madonna. us up with Madonna. Um, yeah, not many where they just no. throw out the one name. And we're missing a couple, but, the, but that's okay. Pink. Yeah, She's I not guess. that big of a star. Like a color. No, she can, she's very talented. <laughs> she's at least as talented as ACDC's lead singer. Now that's just crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At least, at least ACDC goes, hey, guys, here's hey. what we are. We got guitars and drums and, 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 thank goodness, and, and rock and roll. And my, Beyonce. And my wife, that's, that's hey, my wife just pitches in and says, what about Beyonce? Beyonce, that's that's right. Yeah. Beyonce's another one. We just, okay, I know who that is. Beyonce. Is Jay-Z one name? His, his, that's his wife, by the way. I don't know if Jay-Z is that or not. I guess it so, is. DJ says it is. Yeah, Jay-Z's one name. All right. I feel for that. Well, we're just Dave and Blaine. We're just yep, a couple Dave of names. A couple of names so, on, on the wise guys. Linda says Donnie. I don't know. Do you think Donnie Osmond and only Donnie? When Osmond? Donnie comes on this show, we'll reference we'll him, reference as, one him as one name for sure. Yeah, because Marie came on the show, and we we just call her Marie. But so, uh, yep. but uh, thanks everybody on our live stream around the world, and we appreciate and, uh, you pitching in today. We got a lot of good help from you guys today with Jimmer and some great ideas and thoughts. Love having you on with us. We'll see you uh, Saturday night. At 9 Eastern, 7 yeah. Mountain, BYU hey, don't, and Pepperdine. Don't forget Thursday night, um, um, I'm going to join Jerem and Tyler for on the game pre, day. pre- and post-game game day shows for the Gonzaga game. So that's got to be at uh, an hour before. 6.30 Mountain Time. Right, 6.30. On BYU and then, TV. And then we'll hit a post-game show. And then the game's on ESPN. Yep, so I'm going to join Jerem and Tyler for that. And then Dave and I will have the call on uh, Saturday night. And every day when you get up and you check your Twitter feed, uh, there's always something about BYU football. So we know there'll be some things between now and, and next week and we start our show, we're, we'll roll it out. Hey, we, hey, that's what we do. Mike is just me. I don't know if he was te- te- you know, keyboarding to somebody else, but he, he finished with a love you. We'll take that, brother. <laughs> we love you too. We love all of you. Yes. Thanks, for, thanks for being with yes, us. Yes, we do. See you guys. We'll see you next, we'll see you next week.